Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. Megan Gantz, the record holder for the longest You Made It Weird that there's ever been. She had an adrenaline shot earlier that day. Think that might have something to do with it? I'm sorry. I don't know if it I don't know if that's how she normally is. Is she? Katie doesn't know. Mike Bridenstine doesn't know. He just recorded his episode. Chicago. Uh, here are the tour dates real fast because we gotta get into this long ass episode, which is great, by the way. Very long, though. Not though, and and very long. Maybe you like it long. Ha <laughs> uh, 327, that's March 27th through uh, April 7th. I'm going to be in Melbourne, Australia. I'd love to see some uh, Australian weirdos. Uh, we're doing a live, this is new, we're doing a live You Made It Weird right here in Los Angeles on April 15th at the Troubadour. That's going to be great. I thought, why not do one locally, book it locally, get a lot of fun friends, and do it right here in L.A. April 15th, those tickets should be available now. Uh, April 20th, 420 Bro, I'm going to be in Miami for one night. I'm going to Moon Tower for the, uh, to be in Austin uh, April 24th through the 27th. May 9 through 11, uh, never forget. I'm going to be in Calgary. Uh, that's in Canada, I understand. May 15th, I'm going to Buffalo for one night with Chris Thayer. Uh, I'm also going to be in Cleveland for one night for the uh, Grog Shop, May 16th. Cleveland, May 16th. And then finally, June 7 and 8th, I will be in Bloomington for the Limestone Comington Festival, that uh, comedy festival. That is Bloomington, Indiana. All right, everybody, that's it. The sponsor is GoDaddy. Just kidding. Fuck. Go, Daddy. I didn't know any. I, we didn't know anything about that. I just read what they tell me. Brido, did you know that Go, Daddy's like a piece of shit company? <clears throat> I did. I think I'm. I think I used them. I don't know. No, he's one in one. One in one is the sponsor. I'm just kidding. The sponsor is Amazon. You know what to do. Go to the Amazon through the banner of the episode, and it supports the show. Or buy a You Made It movies on iTunes, or donate from YouMadeItWeird.com, or buy a T-shirt. That's it, everybody. Keep it crispy. Uh, and I've never said that at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Can I have a pen, please? Uh, I put this in? Is this okay no. that I took this seat? Do people usually sit directly across That's me? That's the right seat. Okay. You'll be looking directly at my weird Quasimodo eye. Yeah, now you can. No. No. What are all these things? Do I have to wear these? Oh. Should uh, I? Yeah. All right. We often start by talking about how nobody has ever done the power move. Best Friends magazine. Doesn't that look like a fake TV magazine? It does. Like, like that's what uh, Dwight Schrute would be reading. There you go, Katie. It just says houses. Uh, <laughs> Rowling <Another>. Stone. <laughs> Rowling Stone. Instead of Stone. Red's book. Red's book. Red's book. See, I'm not going to be able to pr- pronounce anything. What's happening? I know. Tell me what you were going to tell me but when I was yelling at you not to talk to me. Um, so I went to, like, I just finished work this last week, so on, I didn't have anything to do today, so last night I drove to Malibu to uh-huh. stay in Malibu for a night. I call it Malibu, yeah. <laughs> Malibu, yeah. That's what Kanye says. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it'll become painfully obvious over the course of the story how not Malibu I am, but okay. I tried, I went... I was staying in a really nice place called the Malibu Beach Inn, which is this real fancy place. I got like a last minute deal thing. Just wait, what did you use? 
there's this app called Hotel Tonight. I knew it. Did you do you use that? No, but Chelsea does. Oh, I love that app because it's so easy. Like you don't even to buy something. You just trace a little bed with your finger, and then it's like that's your that's sort of you agreeing to pay for that room for the night. And you can only get the night that you're like look at, at noon every day. They put up a bunch of hotels, and you can only get a hotel room for that night. But you can't extend it to two nights? I think that sometimes you can find a place that'll do like two nights, but you can't, for instance, today, I couldn't book one for tomorrow, even. It's only the very same day. Okay. Which I which I really like. And Who does that? You and Chelsea? Single people. <laughs> just people. <laughs> don't have anybody to like bring with them or anything. I mean, I, li- I literally just like <sighs> I went, on, <laughs> went on a day trip. I was like, oh, I'm done with work. I don't have anything to do. Instead mm. of just staying at my apartment all day, I'm going to run up to Malibu, see what that's about. So I stayed at this place last night. It was so nice. There's like a fireplace, a little balcony. I, I woke up this morning, the ocean, ate my breakfast. What, what, did like how a, did you get that breakfast? You're in a hotel. I, yeah, I ordered it. Room, room service. service. Yeah, with well, the that's tray how they and everything. Get you. It's the best. <laughs> I literally had one of the best nights of my life last night because I was like, I, I was staying in this really nice place. I was totally, I just finished work, so I didn't have the burden yet of having been lazy and unemployed for a while. Right. It was like, I still felt like, you deserve this. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, You can lay down. And that SVU <laughs> episode with Dean Cain was on, and I watched that, and I like no, laid in bed. Do you know that one? That's not a thing that people can reference. <laughs> oh, you know that Dean Cain SVU? <laughs> Well, John Mulaney does a joke about that one. It's kind about of about the Dean Cain yeah, episode. Yeah, about that Dean Cain episode. Why didn't America fall in love with <laughs> Dean Cain? It's pretty great. His joke about it. He's uh, is your phone on the table? I think, no, no, no. Oh, it's it's against the table. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. Um, I feel like I'm smaller. Quick. This is already. This is going poorly. Anyway, <clears throat> what's going so, poorly? The podcast. Whole, everything up to leading up to this moment. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole life? <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, boy. Well, but this is, it's actually, so, so gr- great night last night. Woke up this morning and I was like, ate breakfast, did a Sudoku while like, What did you out have for that ocean. breakfast? I had, this is what I always get, a hotel breakfast, scrambled eggs, uh-huh. a side of avocado and bacon. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Always. Like, nobody messes that up. It's always... What do you mean no one messes it up? That's like why you, you like it? It's consistent? Yeah. Like, if you order huevos rancheros, yeah. some places really good, other Fuck places... Fuck you if you get eggs benedict. Yeah. You're just well, asking I, for trouble. And I can't have, like, half of the things because I can't have gluten because, like, allergies. Um, do you get a lot of people going, is that real? <laughs> I was just at Whole Foods and they have pills called, like, gluten ease and really? stuff. Really? Have you ever tried that? that? No, I'm I'm pretty sure mine is not a true allergy. It's a like an intolerance, but how I know that it's real is that I was like sick for three years and then I stopped eating gluten and now I feel better. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if it's like, but you were if, living in Chernobyl. For those <laughs> <up to laughs> if, even if it's just a placebo effect, like oh, I'll take you're, it. You're in a you safe place. I mean? I'm not here to judge you. Yeah. I, in fact, you're talking to a guy who's been like, is it gluten? I'm always wondering what it is. Well, you know, what it, it's something where this is going to be a total, this is why people don't like it. Cause it makes you feel so what? LA to talk about, but it does. People don't like this podcast. If, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, talking about gluten allergies. Uh-huh. I love your podcast. I thought, it, oh, you do? Yeah, I, thought I do. It, I listen to it. I, I think it. that's lovely. So you, that's why you said kale juice. Kale juice. Like kale juice. Yeah. And raw chocolate. Did you notice I had oh, a little, no, I little pack of raw, not pack. In the back of your, I want to make it, see what I, I want, energy? yes, I want, yes, I'm sorry, I should have laughed at your bit, but I was too thinking about, too much thinking about uh, the fact that I want to package raw chocolate in these little snuff packs. You mm-hmm. know how they have those snuff mm-hmm. packs to get kids hooked on it? I want to do yeah. that with raw chocolate. I bet you people would love to. Just like a little bit that you can suck on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I do. I put it in there for as long for as I can. For your lady time, just for that week. <laughs> for the, my lady time? 
<laughs> like when you're on your period. Oh. It's like a little in the back of. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Not, not for you so much, but that would work for well, me. I would buy your product for that reason. I understand. It, but it's, you, I think you'd buy the product because of, uh, you know, mental agility and stuff. It's a good stimulant. <laughs> really? Oh, Dark yeah. Dark chocolate? Well, you, now, you so want okay? No, no. This is this is the whole theme of the podcast. You're <laughs> feeling bad about talking about gluten, so I'll do you one worse and talk about raw chocolate. <laughs> okay. It's so much worse, and then right, you'll good. feel so much better about but, all. But rotten, people that are like eat dark chocolate, it's good for you. They're they're pretty much wrong because when you heat it up, everything dies. Oh, really? So you got to eat raw chocolate, which oh. is which is kind of disgusting. Yeah, I've heard of that about garlic <clears> and stuff too. Um, but I was going to say about the gluten. If you are thinking that it might be you. Like you might have it when I uh, I've always been I'd always been like I always felt a little bit swollen mm. for like in my 20s. I always Water felt like retention. A, yeah, like always just a little bit. Even mm-hmm. though I worked out, it would always be a little bit. And then I went off of gluten and that went away. And now I feel like my joints aren't like filled with fluid all the time. Yes. Like, well, I feel like I'm kind of underwater. What, what are you drinking? This is a cherry. This is a cherry Coke, which I never drink. Ooh. But after, after my day today. I was Coke. That's bad for your joints. <laughs> no. This is terrible for you. Um, I never drink soda, but uh, I prescribed myself a cupcake and a cherry Coke after my huge allergic reaction today. Oh, good like, for My you. face was all swollen up. I had hives all over my body. Today. Just hours ago. <laughs> and then I came. I drove basically straight back from Mal. Malibu. I stopped at my house to yeah, change. Yeah, you ate your your scrambled eggs, your avocado, and your okay. bacon. Okay, so I ate that, and then I'm I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go for a hike. I'm all the way up in Malibu. I'm gonna be one of those people that vacation so hikes. Like, yeah, and just like I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna enjoy the outdoors. So I like walk, uh, leaving the hotel. They have like a bowl of fruit, so I like pick up an apple. Like on my way out, <laughs> there's I'm an like, artist. Like, hey, I was painting that. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so idyllic. Like yeah. my whole idea, it was. Did you too wash good. it in a fountain? No, <laughs> like, I was like, like, I'm sure they wash these because it's sure. a nice hotel. Yeah. So I was like, That's okay, so I you. take this and I go. I drive out. What fruit did we pick? Uh, I think they were Honeycrisp apples, which are just the best oh, good apples. Good choice. They're good name best. too. Talking about placebo effects, yeah. I want to know if a Honeycrisp apple was called a butt lick apple, how much you'd like it. You know what I mean? Just eating it going, this is called Honeycrisp. Honestly, have you had Honeycrisp apples? Who are you talking there's, to? <laughs> they're you so talking good, to? they I'm could so... name them any, anything. Look, I love a good Honeycrisp apple, but they taste very similar, in my opinion, to a Fuji apple, and I like Honeycrisp really? better, because See, Fuji makes me think of film. Brent Sullivan and, and I like, have this... Brent James Sullivan? Brent James Sullivan and I BJ's? Have, a, have a thing about... How after they found Keep Honey it going. Crisp, <laughs> one, one more, more time. time. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love him so much; it hurts my heart. Oh, I love him um, too. But we have a thing about like Honey Crisp apples, where every time we eat them, we're, we just look at each other and go, "Why do they make any other kind of apple? Yeah. Like, why didn't they just stop?" We figured it out. We figured it out. Stop making other types of apples yeah. and just because Honey Crisps aren't available all the time. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Because we haven't yet, like, genetically mutated them <laughs> to make them like tomatoes. Everything. Look, I love tomatoes, but it's wintertime. I shouldn't be able to buy them. <laughs> yeah, and an orange that's, like, fully. Um, but <laughs> so I have this Honeycrisp apple. I'm, like, going to park, and I'm doing this hike. So you're beautiful. I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but your beautiful Malibu Hotel has your favorite apple, apple on in hand bowl, in a bowl. Like all washed and like pleasantly. Well, the washed is assumed. <laughs> but pleasantly displayed in sort of a little pyramid. Yeah. Like I'm sure if somebody in the hotel, they have like workers that if they walk past it and there's one apple missing, they like go run yeah, and yeah, get yeah. another apple to make sure everything looks. It's a cold. It's, it's like a one of those. Code. 
HC. And, and I was feeling every Honey time crisp. I go, <laughs> sorry, code, code HC. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I go to a place like this, which happens way more in Los Angeles than it ever did in New York, where you, you mean go going to, to hotels? No, going to a place where everybody oh. is sort of on their best behavior, looks wise, like where everyone is just sort of. Nobody is like in sweatpants Schlubs. or whatever. Everybody is in this hotel and in, in this hotel. Well, and also in, on the hike, kind of in Malibu in general. I mean, yes. people are very pretty up there. That's where like, you get your makeup to get the mail for yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you feel that pressure as a lady in LA? Did you all this the morning? Time. Yes. I always feel weird in places like that. I, I like going to them because I, I love hotels in general because. Everything is uh, – there's something about my anxiety that's related to the amount of things that are around me. And I don't like having a ton of things, but I also obviously – What do you mean? Too many options or just many, literal things? Too many options, but also items. Like I find it really soothing to throw out things, oh. even if, even things that I'm pretty sure that I'll need again. I like not having them for a while. Minimal. Minimal. Like, yeah, but uh, but I find myself accumulating also because like I'll just tuck it away, yes. and then but then I go through every once in a while and throw everything Can out. Can I just interject and just say <laughs> I have a whole closet filled with shit that if it all disappeared, I'd never look for exactly. it. Exactly. I, when I moved out here from New York, I packed four boxes full of stuff. Yeah. Um, and oh, moving will do it. Yeah. And I, and I left them there and then I just never went back for them. Isn't that great? So I don't even know what was in those boxes, but apparently I didn't need it. Gans, I'm a big one. I move everything, everything burns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like the Joker with a mountain of money. Yeah. It's I'm gone. I'm very much like, just get rid of it. But the nice thing about- something like the mojo of a bed you were fucking your girlfriend that in that yeah. town. No, I don't like it. it. Yeah. I, I don't ugh. keep, I have one, I have to say I have one like article of clothing that I took from an ex, but that's it. What's that? Boxers? A sweatshirt, <laughs> a, a sweatshirt that I really like that I'll, I, I think I, I wore it more than he did, which is why I, I feel okay about taking it. But you know, I th- I think he probably is okay with it. <laughs> There's something very sweet about girls that want to wear your like sweatpants or your sweatshirts or something. And you're like, huh. I haven't been in a relationship where I felt comfortable with asking to wear the other person's clothing in a while. Plus, I di- I tend to date skinny, sort of nerdy guys, and so I would you can't be fit? I can't fit in their stuff. Oh no! It's really sad to have your boyfriend pick up your jeans and be like, "These aren't mine." Like at a glance, he can tell because they're bigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Uh, but no. But so wait, getting back to it, so you the- don't have to be that close <laughs> to throw on somebody else's sweatpants. Yeah, a sweatpants. If it's like cold, sure. or you weren't planning yeah. on staying over, or like a button up or something, I probably could do that. I sleep in a hoodie. Can I tell you that? Real in you sleep in it? Doesn't Maybe. the zipper bother you? I, I'm glad you asked. I really <laughs> would like to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Late when it's cold, I love sleeping in a hoodie. Really? I'll it's forgo. so weird. It is weird. Why not and just <clears throat> more covers? I've okay. offered it to, to uh, you know, a girl will be over or whatever, and I'm sleeping in a hoodie. I'm like, do you want a hoodie? And they all think it's super weird. All of them. All 18 <laughs> of these girls. All of the but every time that's, <laughs> I'm Julio Iglesias. Every time that's happened, they think it's very bizarre. But you don't really notice the zipper if you're wearing a shirt underneath, oh, which I wow, am. you're wearing. Like, I'm bundled what's up. What's the pants situation? Sweatpants. Because, really? Yeah. You, do you wear socks to bed? No. Okay, good, I, that can I tell you, far. the second I get home, socks are off and uh, sweatpants are on. I, I also, I, I don't like my feet way. to be yeah. in things. Can I all. show you something? See this, see this, uh, sl- you can, I, I don't have it badly right now, but everyone's, I don't really have it at all. During the interview, as I get hotter, <laughs> you might see like, uh, just, 
you wouldn't know it, I don't think, if, if I didn't point it out. Like some redness on my hand, a little yeah. splotch. I'm very fair. It's and I went to the doctor, and they were like, "It's because your feet aren't breathing enough." It's directly related to your oh, really? feet. He's like, "You have a tiny amount of athlete's foot, but not enough that you would notice." But that's what that is. So and anyway, it goes to your hands. He's like. The doctor, hands, <laughs> and I paid for this. So here I am telling you what a doctor told me that I paid this man. Mm-hmm. You find this man, fugitive. I, uh, he, I took my – he was like – he looked at my hands. I was like, what is this? He goes, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but take off your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you could tell he really liked it. It was his little but, house moment. Yeah, but don't you wish that every doctor's visit was like that? Because they should amaze you with their diagnosis. Like it would be, it yes. would be great if I went in and they were like, oh – just wiggle your thumb yep. three times and then your ear stops hurting. <laughs> it's a big thing. I would believe in science more if it worked like that. I'm one of those people. Today, uh, I was I was doing a punch-up for a show for some friends of mine and, and uh, someone was standing up and they were like, sitting is the new smoking, right? And uh, <laughs> it, it, this goes back to gluten, actually. I'm always looking for the thing. They yeah. look, I, I kind of don't like people that are like me, but I also really love people that are like me. And one of the things that is like me is that I'm open. Now, that also could you could also peg me as like a sucker or a fool or whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. I'll, yeah. I'll be a fool. I'll go down different paths. And I'll try not eating gluten. And if you tell me that sitting is bad for you, I'll stand up every once in a while. But don't you feel like there are so many more of those rules in Los Angeles than you ever knew existed? Yeah. And I think each and every one of them is fun to explore. <laughs> You're talking to a man who bought bee pollen at Whole Foods today. Bee pollen. <laughs> you know what? You should be careful. <laughs> this is terrible. You should be careful with that, though, because I had... With bee pollen? Yeah, because I had... Bee um, pollen? <laughs> I had some vitamin a vitamin mix once that had bee pollen in it, and I got like really jacked up on it for some reason. Oh yeah, you're supposed to take a tiny, tiny. Amount. Yeah, it what was. I, I it think was it's weird. That, well, there's this whole world like drinking this kale juice and this is the coconut water and the and the bee pollen and stuff. I'm like, people at Whole Foods are high. Yeah, we're all high. We go <laughs> and get high. That's why everyone loved kombucha for a while because I've it was like a little it. bit. It's like fermented. It's like just a little bit of alcohol. Of I think or something, your body reacts to it well, in a funny way. Going back to raw chocolate, which I often do. <laughs> uh, if you Google raw chocolate, you'll find it's about a seventy thirty split. Seventy percent are like raw chocolate is everything you need. You should be eating raw chocolate, especially ladies. You're lacking a lot of iron typically. Mm, There's yeah. a, and manganese things that used to be in the soil, uh, but aren't anymore because we've raped Mother Earth. That's what <laughs> volcanoes are. That's where we fucked it. Um, <laughs> We made those? Yeah, we made those with dicks. Huge dicks. Uh, the other thing was, uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, then you'll find 30% that are like, it's addictive, it's more addictive than cocaine, you'll go crazy, mm-hmm. it'll it'll kill you. That's that's true of everything. Yeah. You can't, you can't. I'm you sure b drove you nuts. Yeah, well, I mean, and the sad thing, I was taking those pills because I was doing hot yoga, mm. which I know you're getting into yoga Bikram. now. Bikram. All yoga I do is and, hot yoga. It, not, not, I didn't mean like I'm so hot. It, it means, well, I am Julio Iglesias, but it means I sweat, sweat. so, so much. Yeah, I me so, too. so much. I love it, though. Picture a man sweating a lot, like, whoa, then double it. That's how much I'm sweating. <laughs> no, it drips, it like drips off my nose when I go to yeah. Bikram. Yeah, no. like a constant flood of Wait, sweat. a flood? Yeah, yeah, like, a, like a, a, a dripping, like what would you treat? There'll be like such a constant drip of sweat pouring off me that you almost can't hear the individual drops. 
But really? Because I, I do. I dump it. I like. I really like sweating too. And I sweating so good. I recently took it to an of extent. The internet says it's not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just making my joke. Um, uh, in Larchmont, where I live now, they just built this thing called an urban sweat lodge, uh-huh. which I went to the other day. See, I'm on board. I want to go to which, this. You should go. It's literally they put you in a bed. So a bed. They put you in a like a hospital bed. It's sort of like, but it's just, got. Just a, we see where this is going. We're going to put you in a hospital. But it's got a sleeping bag that's like an infrared heating sleeping bag. And in it, there's like a plastic bag. Basically, you get between these two things of plastic and you wear just like I wear like sweatpants and high socks and like like me sleeping. Yeah, like a (laughs) sweating get up Uh and get and you get in there and they wrap you up like a burrito Uh and then they give you a remote so you can watch Netflix on this flat screen TV that's in front of you. And then you just sit in this thing for an hour and sweat. Do you? How do you feel while you're doing this? I actually really like it because I really. I do you feel I hot? I know that's warm. a silly question, but do you, you feel, feel really unpleasantly hot? hot? Uh, I I some people probably would think it's unpleasantly hot, but like all you have to do is kind of take one arm out to feel <laughs> cooler again. And I actually like the feeling of being overwhelmed with how hot I am because my brain shuts up when when all I start thinking about is how hot I am. Well, it's probably it's like I get to my basic needs and then. See, the brain quiets. I'm interested in, in, in the meditations of life, mm-hmm. and that sounds like one of them. Yeah. All we need to do, the principles of meditation, is just to bring you into the moment. So if you're incredibly hot, and I wonder, I, don't, I feel like, like cold doesn't do it as well. Cold, cold doesn't do it for me because I, I start to freak out. But hot... Cold you like, want to solve faster. Yeah, you want to get it. But th- that's another thing. You have to overcome the want to solve something. Like you're wrapped up and your arms are inside this thing. And you'll feel like a bead of sweat, let's say, dripping down your forehead. And everything in your body goes like, wipe it, wipe it, wipe yeah. it away, wipe, move that thing. Like stop that from happening right, on your right, forehead. Right. And then you just have to come to the realization that... It doesn't matter. If I wipe it, it'll just be replaced with another bead of sweat. Right. So what I have to do is not care that it's there. Well, that sounds really and zen. That, but that is like the challenge of it is like you need to stop trying to fix everything the right. moment that it's happening. What do you watch on the TV? Just like <laughs> Mr. Freeze videos? I watch this. There's this. Do you know Investigation Discovery? That channel, Investigation Discovery? It's a channel? It's a channel called Investigation Discovery that's got nothing but shows about murders that have like Can bad. I ask you why women like these things? I, because I've have you heard me say this yeah, on the show before? I, I've talked to Emily Emily Gordon watches oh these as, as well. Every and girl like, I've every, ever dated, and they and you they know, all love sunshine, lollipops, puppies, boo the dog on murder. Facebook, and then like this woman got murdered in the eyeballs, <laughs> and they haven't caught him, and it's, he lived in this building. It's very it's a very female <laughs> phenomenon. And I know, like, when you watch Investigation Discovery, this channel, you know that they know they're marketing towards women because they'll come, they've come up with shows called, like, I Killed My BFF. Oh, God. And, like, things, like, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Uh-huh. That are just shows about, like, I thought he was the perfect guy. And then he right. ended up being, like, a oh, serial killer. You like always kind of know he's a serial killer. <laughs> you a feel bit. like you do, but I think that's what these shows are about that draws you in because you want to, you, it's so terrifying the idea of, of something hurting a a person or someone you love or yourself. And because women aren't, I guess, results oriented, like we don't want to go out and like, I want to buy stronger locks for my door, but we just want to have like more of an understanding of it. Like why it happens. Like what are the mechanics? For instance, like when, when women get into fights, Uh it's not always about what is the solution to this fight. Sometimes it's about, I want to understand how we got into this fight in the first place, because that'll help me from getting in it again. It's more about like, you want to look at the underlying things. I thought you were going to say it was just like mainlining emotions. 
In the in the, in the you're, you're watching the murder or the reason women don't want to get out of the fight it's, necessarily. It's more like staring directly into the face of something that's supposed to be scary yes. in order to like train your eyes to look at it and try to figure it out when it's not happening to you. It's right. like uh, I don't. But you're not trying to. You're you're right. You're not like a guy going like this is how I would prevent this yeah. necessarily. You're just going. What are the things that made this the case and how? It's not even how can I prevent them from happening no. to me. The f- it's just, how, I, it seems like such an absurd notion to me that anyone would ever take another person's life that you kind of want to focus on the absurdity of it to see if you can find some reason in it. No, I get it. I guess. You don't understand why anyone would kill somebody. <laughs> no. I real. I mean, like, I can understand being that angry, but I can't, I. it feels so it feels so unreal to me that you would ever be physically able because a lot of these shows that, it's like but this what you're just saying there it sounds like the case for killing somebody. <laughs> what do you mean? You know what I mean? People, I feel like people, serial killers are, are often you know they're certainly deranged, but they're the type of people that are like you know I've had Rocky Road ice cream, I'd like to kill some people. You know what I mean? They've run out of experience. Oh yeah, and they just ha- they can't find the thing that it does it for them. I'm terrified that the idea that something that does it for you could be the worst things. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm lucky. In that the things that I like are accessible, legal, yeah, encouraged. Normal. But uh, but that's why I I like watching all of these things that deal with taboos. Like I also watched this documentary about people that have sex with those real dolls. Because yeah, I think, men who play with dolls. Uh, it was called Guys and Dolls. Actually, this oh, one it's was. a new one. Then. But no, it was. It, I watched it like was maybe it five or six years ago. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I watched it. Yeah, that. yeah. Okay, was it called Men Who Play with Dolls? I, I believe it was. It was. Guys and dolls. You punched it up because that's it up. much funnier. I'm pretty sure that's trademarked. I'm pretty sure the the guys and dolls people don't but, want them. Uh, but you watch that stuff because some. I guess some part of my brain is like, what if one day I was having sex and I looked at my partner and I said, "Oh, this is so great," except that I wish you weren't blinking or moving. Huh. Like, what if that was suddenly was yeah. your thing? What would you do? Right. And these people. Clearly, the people that have sex with real dolls have some fascination with having a woman that has no, can't object, I don't can't, know. can't say no to them, can't, there's something there, but it doesn't go all the way to rape. It goes into this weird other category of like... Yeah. I don't think it's like, I actually, by watching that documentary, didn't think it was really a rapey thing. I thought they were you strikingly think normal. Some of those guys, though, were like, I just want a woman that's always there whenever I need her. That's to what be. they all said. But if you remember, they also said that, like, just like regular relationships, a couple months in, they stopped having as much sex with them. And then it became more about. <laughs> yeah. It's the same, like, the only way I can understand it is the relationships we have with our cars or our phones mm-hmm. or these things that we actually have love for. They they did a study about how you love your phone, you really, really? do. Yeah, and they hooked people's up uh, their brains up to machines, and they're like, you have the same center that loves your mother loves your phone mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, maybe. I can see that. But like, so these guys are fucking these real dolls, and it definitely starts with like, oh, this thing won't stop me from coming on its face. Mm-hmm. That's definitely where it starts. No, it's not going to judge me for doing gonna, that. Yep, it's yeah. not. I can, or I could tie it up. Yeah, or I could hit it. But then before they know it, they're cuddling and making out with these. Absolutely. Things. Yeah. Because you know why that thing let it do all those things. Yeah. You know the. <laughs> and then you probably part... feel bad. You're cleaning it off. The, the... I bet it's. I bet it's very real. You're cleaning it off, and its name is Susan. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry, Susan. And then no, you but... buy her an outfit. The... It's basically it, a marriage. It, it, it's the craziest part about that documentary. Like you watch it and you think, uh, the worst part is going to be when they, because they show like this is how you clean it out, sort of. They, they like, did. Well, they showed like the kit, the the sort of 
bristle brush that they use. Stuff. And you think, oh, that's going to be the weirdest part. The weirdest part for me was the guy that was taking the camera crew into his house, and they wanted to meet his real doll. And he, go, he goes up to the bedroom door with them, and he goes, just wait outside for a second. She might be sleeping. He walks inside the room, comes back out of the room, and goes, yeah, she's sleeping. And the camera crew waits around for the doll to wake up. Yeah. And then to wake her up, he takes he detaches her sleeping face, goes and gets her awake face and like puts her awake face on but he's developed yes. it's like he wants to have something that it's, is sleeping some of the time and he can't engage in it. Well, doesn't it speak to a, a, a deep deep human need? Yeah. There's a, this guy is playing pretend he's a rational person and he's deluded himself. But I guess to the, the point where he's like, she's sleeping. The same com- complexity that goes into a human emotion like that. What's, what's interesting about that to me is the same reason that I watch these murder shows. Yes. It's like, what drives a person to that? I can't understand it. I don't. My synapses don't fire that way. Right. But there's something fascinating about looking at somebody else and going. What? How did you get to the point where you were like, well, my only way out is to stab my husband 30 times and like pour, put a bunch of newspaper over and burn the house down? Right. What? Those, those are motive-based murders. Some of them, but some, and some of, of them, them are, are random. like random. I mean, <clears throat> anyway, that wasn't I, the, but that's what I watch when I'm in this sweat lodge. I watch this thing called Deadly Women. That's all women that have killed. <laughs> oh, they're women they're murderers. They're all women murderers. And the funny thing about it is that women largely, st- they don't shoot guns. Largely when they murder... They're not from a distance. It's like up close and personal stabbings or poisonings, like a lot of poisonings where they like take care of the person as they're dying. Oh, really? Like misery? Yeah, like kind of like there's a lot of cases of like nurses that'll be the, the most. There's very few female serial killers, but of the ones that there are, a lot of them are nurses that. It's part of this caring thing where they think that they're helping people when they're pouring arsenic into their like soup. I mean, like the especially ones like helping them leave the earth. Help! I don't. It's like helping them need me so that I can help them. It's creating a. I think there's something about it's like it's creating a simpler. Um, relationship where it's like you are helpless, right. I can help you, and, and I'm the, keeping you helpless so that I can keep so helping that I can you. keep helping you. You stay in bed. I take care of you. We both know what our role is here. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to always take care of you till the day you die, which will be a lot faster because of me. Yes, but yeah. Well, but. it kind of goes back to, and I'm not trying to say you're crazy because I understood what you were saying, but it goes back to reducing the number of things. Mm-hmm. It goes back to thing anxiety. Yeah, a little bit. But that's why. So that getting back to that, that's why I like hotel rooms because you, they're outfitted, they're furnished with exactly what you need and nothing more. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill it's Burr like, calls. I just watched him. So 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 funny. He calls uh, hotel rooms little safety deposit boxes for people. Yeah. I was yes. like, Oh my god. <laughs> that's exactly. I I think of myself when I'm in them like. I'm a really high-class St. Francis of Assisi in that I've given away all of my things. But the things that I kept are really nice. They're all white linens. They're all, mm-hmm. like, new t- towels that have been freshly laundered. A hotel should be the worst place. But it's the best place. It's the best place. Like, think about it. If you want to go somewhere quiet, mm-hmm. you go to a hotel. Yeah. What is a hotel room? You're surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. But they always do it right. The installation is incredible. It's, it's fantastic. And I also, because there isn't, it removes the possibility of someone dropping in on you. Yes. Nobody's going to knock on the door and be like, hey, you want to go do you have out roommates? to do... 
Uh, I, I do have a roommate right now. So but I, there's your problem. But no, but I really like her. And I've lived alone and still gone to hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even in my apartment, when I live in a one-bedroom apartment, there's still the, we, the smallest possibility that somebody could come visit me or see me. But when I'm in a hotel and nobody knows I'm there, and I'm like watching Bad Law and Order, and I'm eating food in my bed like off of this tray, there's not a chance in hell that anybody's coming to my door. Right. And I, and I know well, there's that. there's no do not disturb in the real world. Yeah, exactly. I love the do not disturb. Mm-hmm. In fact, I always know which room is mine because it's the one with the do not disturb. <laughs> I know. I put it on as soon as I get of course into you the do, room. Because you're if, a sane if person. I, if I stay in a place I for also like, unplug the phone. Really? When you go to hotels? Pretty much. I don't like that call. Is everything okay? Yeah. Shut I, up. I leave mine on but plugged in away from me. Because I, I do like, I like sitting outside and being like, nobody, nobody's going to need anything from me because they don't know where I am, you know? I love the feeling. We're talking about some really good stuff. <laughs> S- simplicity yeah. and, and removed. Mm-hmm. And no one knows where you are. And it's also, it goes back a little bit, I think I might have some of your thing anxiety, the idea that there's only so much you can do. Yeah. That's why people, writers especially, like going to hotels because it's like, oh, My laundry is not here. We can't uh, do the, your laundry. Yeah, your your external hard drive that you need to back up all your photos to isn't there, so you right. can't do it. Right. The anxiety can't even be there of needing to do it because right. it's, you your can't Your TiVo do it. isn't there. Yeah, you, you, you can't access those things. Right. So no need to think about them. Right. That's you don't why, have an Xbox there. Yeah, I do, I do a lot of writing in hotel rooms when yeah. I go. And random, like I'll go to a different one every night because I don't want people to even, I don't even want the hotel to start knowing that I'm there. It's like I want to be in and out. I want to be, wow. it's like a one night stand. But <laughs> with for, the hotel. With the hotel. So, with a high thread count. <laughs> so that's what I was trying to do last night. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this hike because the only thing that I had to do today was this podcast, which I was very excited about. But I was like, I'm going to go out and like get some exercise and sun on my face and everything. And I went for this hike and I must have walked past some pollen something mm. that hit me in the face. Whole Foods? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Bee pollen? Um, I don't know what it is. I, I don't. You asked me like, <clears throat> did I see an allergist? I, I haven't yet. I don't know what it is, but I got back to my car and I started sneezing and then I like had a moment like that movie Hitch where like I pulled down my rear view mirror and looked at my face and one of my eyes had swollen shut. My face started feeling really hot. And I, like, pulled my shirt down and I had hives all down my neck. Have you had hives before? Oh, yeah. I've gotten them, like... I get them totally randomly. I don't I don't <laughs> quite know what the connection is. You, you, like, every couple of years, I'll just break out in hives over my whole body. You're reminding me of this girlfriend I had. Oh, and no. she would tell me that she would occasionally just wake up covered in hives for no reason. And dating her was like dating a werewolf. I kept waiting. I, I was very fond of her. But every Did time you, we spent the night together, I was like, is this the night? Did you ever see it? Was it no. ter- terrifying? Which only made it worse. No, uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, like, yeah, I actively didn't want to see it. I thought it would be scary. Mm. You know. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't that this bad. Was a except long time ago. I was in Malibu by myself, and so I'm like getting in my car, and <clears throat> I'm trying to judge. You know, usually when something like that happens, and you have another person, the uh, you outsource the um, practicalness to the other person, and they're the one that goes like, "You're all right. Like, sure. we'll get you somewhere." You know, something like that. But when it so that you can be the one going like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. My throat is closing off. Like yeah. you can you can have the freak out. I didn't have that person, so I had to be like both of those people in one. And mm-hmm. I was like, am I freaking out or can I not breathe? You know, I was like, kind of coughing, being like, how good is my breathing? Do I need to go? And so that I, I breathing is one of those things. <laughs> As you're telling the story, I'm like, how good is my breathing? Right. 
That's pretty good. It's not. It's, it's not good. great. It's not wheezy. Yeah. Mine was like it was scratchy all down my throat. I was feeling hot. Things felt swollen, but like when I touched them, they didn't. They didn't appear, besides my eye, they didn't appear swollen, but my face felt swollen. And so I didn't know what I was... And, like, allergy attacks can be made worse by you freaking out about them. That's and so, so I'm trying not to do that, trying to judge. And I took, like, a Benadryl, and I was like, how long can I wait on this? And I so ended up... you just up, had Benadryl with you? I had it because I'm seeing a guy, and I'm totally allergic to his dog. And so, I, I know, it stinks. But, so I was... I, I have feel like single people and pets need to break up. <laughs> I'll tell you a couple things. One is... First of all, I had a fantasy that I, because the bee pollen on it says uh, you could be allergic to this. Be uh-huh. careful. So eat a small amount. And then I had this fantasy. I played this out in my mind as I was driving here with the bee pollen mm-hmm. that I would eat a couple pieces of it. They're tiny. They mm-hmm. look like grape nuts, but for like a gnome. So I, th- <laughs> I just riffed that. I'm very pleased with that. I throw that in my mouth. And uh, in my fantasy, my throat starts to close. And I, and I go through everything that you just did where I'm like, it's not closing. You're just being weird. <laughs> just being- and then I was like, no, it really is. And then I remember Paul F. Tompkins told me that if you have a landline, 911 comes to your house much, much faster. But I don't. So in really? the freak out, I'm kind of like, I should have got that landline when Paul F. Tompkins <laughs> told me. And then I call 911 and I can't talk because I'm freaking out. And then I'm like, what do I do? And then I open the computer and I type. I've taken bee pollen, send an ambulance, and then I have it speak it, you know? So it's like, I've taken bee pollen, send an ambulance. And I'm, and I'm very pleased with myself that I, in this That's pretend... smart. Well, thank you. Yeah. I used to do, I used to have hypothetical things like that when I was in New York where I'd be sitting on a subway and I'd be like, okay, hypothetically, if I was on this subway and there's only one other person yes. on this car with me and they started attacking me what would I do? And you like, you go way down the road, like sure. of how you, what would you say to the next, if you got into the other car, what would you say to them? But right. it's, it's like, I go, what do you do? I go 10 steps down the road when I think about that. I mean, but like, what do you do? If there's a guy oh. in the sub, I, you know what I always like to do uh, in my fake pretend mind? What is happening here? <laughs> what, is there a fucking no orc party down there? <laughs> I'm in a conversation right here. Like, I can see just... But now there's music playing. We should go to a hotel. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Uh, mine is always tell the guy I'm a cop. <laughs> I always think that would work. I, I, I thought about that before with rape, where I'm like, would I be like, I have AIDS? Or like, would you say something? Right. But, but then I'm like, I don't really, I've actually thought this before. I don't really look like I have AIDS. Like, I don't look like the type of person that so would have AIDS. It's so funny that you say that. I'm like, my so hair is too long believable. to be a cop. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't have a yeah. cop haircut. I I if I want I'm a cop privileges, I need to keep it pretty high and tight. Yeah. And you need to, you know, <laughs> it, I, look my, more AIDSy. My, um, Scenarios depend on whether the it's late at night, whether you, the train is close to the station. Were you about to say that I, I could have AIDS? You could have AIDS. Yeah, I, totally I, I was just saying that that feels like 1980s AIDS. Now yeah. I feel like you could have that magic. Now anybody could have it, yeah. according to like Law & Order SVU episodes. High with school Dean girls King. can get it. Is that right? Like just on their first time with a guy, yeah. And then, well, but then he, but he's always a guy that like knowingly has it and walks around all the time trying to spread it to people, which like is Like kids. Yeah. <laughs> and other movies that made our generation think that every time we have sex, we get AIDS. Yeah. I, well, I went to Catholic school, so I actually, until I went to college, I thought that you could get it from like sharing a water glass and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if you've heard me say this on the show before. I used to think I could give myself AIDS by masturbating in the bathtub. Really? As a young kid. I was like, I'm pretty sure I just gave myself. Oh my god! Because I was like, it's released. It's something about the air activates it. But you didn't realize that you have to have it first in order for your. Oh, I knew everything because they tell you everything, (laughs) which is fucking ridiculous. But I'm like, they probably didn't mention because they They don't know the filth that I'm doing. (laughs) Also, 
weird doing it in the tub, I guess. But I mean, you're just sitting there. Uh, <laughs> you're so bored. You just might as well. It's right Do, there. Well, when you were done, would you drain the bath and then take like a quick shower? Or would you just get out of the bath and be like that? I think I, I'm forgetting. I think I would probably get out uh, like toilet paper myself. <laughs> flash it. Probably not as clean oh, okay. as, I, as I like. I and then I'm probably getting back in. Yeah. I knew kids... Uh, <laughs> I used to pee in the tub, too. Gross as shit. No. I mean, but wait, how old? Young. Yeah. Like 22. <laughs> I remember. I remember being in the bathtub with my... When I was like maybe... F- six and my brother was like two or something like that yeah and he like pooped in the bathtub while we were in it at the same time and i was like well that's gross (laughs) but then you're also like my parents i mean i saw it so it must have been solid enough but like you but you also are like i I was still at that age where i was like my parents would not never let anything weird happen to me yeah this has got to be normal right right, right, right. because i remember distinctly thinking you pee in the shower which i still do with no shame Mm -hmm. when did that stop it's your shower. I feel like it's now completely it's, acceptable. Everybody's totally... like, I pee in the shower, I pee in the shower. But there was, I feel like when I was 12, people were like, never pee in the If you do I, it, don't admit it. I don't, I don't because I'm a woman and that would be like a whole different... Why? It goes right to your feet. No, it goes foot. in every direction. Sort really? of. Well, I mean, like, you don't have as much control over it. I heard in the, direction. In the Girl Scouts, they teach you how to lift... So you can pee standing up. I know, but then you don't have the... But the whole reason to pee in the shower is because you want to just be able to be like, let it go. If I have to, like, assume a position, then it doesn't have the relaxing feeling of, like... Yeah. I'm just standing here soaping on my head, and I have the urge to pee, and I'm just going to, without thinking, let it happen. Right. Which is the pleasure of doing, I assume. You know, now that we're talking about it, I realize that I don't... Because I'm a grown person now, and I have, like, a routine, it's not mm-hmm. because I don't. It's because I typically pee before I get yeah. in the shower. Yeah. But uh, as a child, But you want yeah. the option. It is a fun option. Being... Also, peeing off a boat is a great thing. <laughs> uh, it's a fun It's a fun freeing moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, maybe with women it just doesn't... I mean, at least for me, it doesn't... It doesn't exist like that. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel like oh, just take care of this. It's not as go. liberating. Yeah, it's not as liberating. Yeah, exactly. Murder. But so wait, where are we? Oh no. So, but the, this story is not that interesting. But so oh, my yeah. face, my face exploded, and then I decided, and 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 where I I pulled off in order to like get um, the closest sort of strip mall, something that I could get like a bottle of water and stuff at, um, was right by Point Doom. Point Doom, I think. Is, Point Doom? It's called D-U-M-E, but it's like in Malibu. It's like their state park. The Malibu Doom State, state park. park? Doom State Park. I'm pretty sure it's Doom. Sounds like a horrible horror movie. I know, but it's not spelled like D-O-O-M, but, uh, so apparently that's okay. Um, <laughs> but the place that I pulled off of was like the chicest, nicest little strip mall thing. This is when you're like having that you're covered Totally in. covered. I have sunglasses on so nobody can see my freakishly like closing up eye, yeah. but I, but my face is swollen and I have like splotches all over my neck and everything, and I'm having to go into like the prettiest Starbucks you've ever seen in your life with the prettiest people and buy like a bottle of water while my whole body feels hot and I'm like sweating mm-hmm. and that's just like my experience I just feel like that sums up my experience with LA which Isn't is it just w- it's just I always feel like the most awkward kid at the party except the party is all the time yeah and I only just keep getting more awkward here are you hanging on the wrong part of LA Do you, well where, where's Larchmont Larchmont is uh, it, it's a nice area it, it's probably a little bit chic it's like not, it's not the east side but I moved there because it was closer to um, Paramount lot where I was working right when I was on community but um, but I I do like it it's got 
I was living on the east side for a while in Atwater, but I just I decided I wanted to like be more centralized and yeah. It's got a nice area where like I, on the weekends I can pretend I'm back in New York because I can walk from my house to like Larchmont Road, which has like a bunch of there's a place to get breakfast and like a coffee shop and everything, and I don't have to get in my car if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's like a Rite Aid within walking distance and that sort of stuff. Can about hives, by the way, because we could talk about neighborhoods too. Isn't that a weird feeling when your body kind of turns on you? Yeah. I don't like that. I know. And 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 you can and the thing about allergies is that it's really your immune system like attacking something in your body. Right. But it thereby t- attacks you and right. makes you feel so it's sort of like stop freaking like I just feel like I want to say to it it's just pollen like whatever right. you're freaking out about I, right. it's not going to kill me this is so much worse right, 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 what right. you're doing to my body right now so much worse and more dangerous for me I'm going to I'm going to accidentally crash my car because I can't see out of my eyeball right. because you're freaking out about some pollen that blew in my face for a moment right. just for a moment in time would the pollen do anything negative if it didn't freak out it must be freaking out for a reason I but but that's the same thing with gluten. Like, why did my body choose to hate gluten, whereas other people's process it totally fine? Yeah. It's not a poison. Right. It's only because my... There's actually a guy that had so many allergies. And gl- I, I heard... <laughs> Yeah, I heard I heard this podcast about this guy that uh, had so many allergies that he decided to Matt take Goldich's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should do this. Maybe it, he took this guy purposefully um, gave himself like ringworm or tapeworm uh-huh. because the uh, par- having a parasite in your body, the parasite excretes. Um, some sort of chemical that calms your immune system down because the parasite doesn't want the immune system to, to attack it uh-huh. as an outsider because then the parasite can't thrive inside of you. So it, ex- it exudes, it, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Excre- pump, excretes, uh, yeah, yeah. Excretes. excretes this chemical that settles down your immune system. Or secretes. Secretes, thank you. And he... Sucrets. Uh, <laughs> Sucrets. <laughs> uh, soothing throat loss. And- so this guy got it on purpose so that it would calm down his immune system so that it wouldn't freak out when he walked outside and just smelled the air. And oh, so this guy has a, a cer- uh-huh. he has a certain amount of parasite in his body that he allows to be there because it allows him to go outside and just enjoy his day and like, roll the genius. windows down in his car. Yeah. And now he sells them to people online out of his own feces. He will like harvest these and sell them to people online so that other people can do this as well. It's just a reminder (laughs) of what we are. Just these bags of gross. Just bags of Uh, gross. Ori was telling me that there are parasites now that will like uh, pretend to be in a spider's web, then like hijack the spider, hook into its brain. Let use it live. The, let the spider live, but then use the spider, yeah, like ta- like a fucking ratatouille, yeah, and get the spider to like make webs that catch, yeah, other things for the parasite, like fucking crazy it's shit, crazy, yeah, like the same thing with butterflies. They they just have like they've been hijacked, <clears throat> yeah, by pilots. And they're they're brilliant organisms that like yes, they, they will get into a a, a bug and then trick the bug into not hiding so that it'll go right out into the middle of a field so that a bird will eat it because the parasite really needs to be in a bird's yes. digestive yes. tract. Yes. And so it's like, but they know Crazy. it knows how to affect a beetle's brain so that it goes. I insane. mean, is that, is that stuff? I was just thinking about it while I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't want to say meditating, but I was meditating, but I was thinking about how like, I feel like science and religion are are going to merge at some point. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like I don't know if that's true. When people think of religion, I think they think of kind of archaic. Stu- I'm talking about progressive religion. Mm-hmm. Talk about like um, open minded religion, I suppose. And then you also have science. Th- those two things should be similar pursuits. Mm-hmm. They typically aren't. 
typically you think of religion, uh, you think of you know Catholics, and they say don't use condoms or or, or, yeah. or uh, this and that, and a list of things you shouldn't be doing. But like if you think of like these parasites and studying the genius of these parasites, and people are like, but that's just science. That's just science. That's just the earth, and that's nature, and it's natural selection. And over billions of years, these parasites evolved and started doing the shit and ending up in birds' GI tracts. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds that's that's that type of science. Sounds like God to me. Yeah. Let's just call I, that all God or, or call it all science. That's how I, I feel about the whole, I mean, the whole creationism debate is if you, if, if, if you need a God that made everything, but you're not satisfied with a God that's set into, and I'm not saying that this exists because I have no idea, but what if God set into motion a series of events called evolution that was so amazing in its complexity that we are still figuring out things yes. about how brilliantly it moved along and yeah. how the steps that were taken to go from a pile of goop into us. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't think like that's amazing right, enough right. to necessitate a God, right. then you're not learning about the same science. Like right, that. that's right, right, I, right. I, I, but I, but I you consider, should be fascinated. You should be in awe of that. Yeah, but I, I do consider myself an atheist or I guess an agnostic or because I don't believe in one specific type of God. I was raised Catholic and kind of moved away from that but i'm never <laughs> you just said you're an atheist and you're like i kind of that's catholic guilt i you know i, I still I, you know come on but i but christmas yeah christmas and easter um but, easter's coming up it is coming up yeah i'm gonna be home with my mom for easter too Fun. so i'm gonna we'll be... die some eggs or something oh. but it's but it really is it's like how how does the pursuit of science make the world less wondrous yeah, I don't think it does at I all. I don't think it does. When I hear about fucking parasites hijacking robots, yeah. like they're driving a car, but it's a spider. Yeah. That's incredible. And it, it's a single-celled organism, but it has, like, it can think. Somehow it knows. Yeah. That's what really, make. when you, uh, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Because when you look at, like, a pigeon mm -hmm. or a penguin or anything, and you're kind of like, it has thoughts. It's thinking Things it's thinking different things mm -hmm. than you or I are thinking. It doesn't seem to be as self-aware. That's what it seems to be lacking. I'm a gorilla, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's amazing. You don't consider that it has a thought. I don't know. I can I can start freaking out about like my computer considering something, <laughs> you know thinking I mean? about something, being like, well, you know, and we can study that, you know, because of coding. Yeah. You know, just, there's a popular internet video about how coding it teaches you how to think and stuff, and it really does. Mm -hmm. It's interesting the different things that we're doing where I ask this question, I'm running the code of this question, and if if Megan offended, then apologize. I run yeah. the apology program. <laughs> yeah. And if that seems insincere, increase sincerity by 30%. Mm -hmm. If laughter ensues, run the laugh with Megan program. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I, no, because I feel like I engage with the world that way where there is a step between what I'm doing. Like I have thoughts that make me do, I don't just like naturally react to things. I don't feel like, I don't feel like my participation with the world is a natural thing. I think it's a, it's like you're saying it's like a program I run, uh. but I think that that might just be. No, I, unfortunately I agree with you. And unfortunately I think that so makes us both sound like sociopaths, but, <laughs> but let's explore that. I understand. I think that might be the feeling of being a comedian. Yeah. You go, like I said, I went to that, uh, I punched up somebody's, somebody's pilot mm -hmm. today. And then I, it was on the Fox lot. And now I haven't been on the Fox lot in a very long time. And there are going to be a lot of people there. That, That's where uh, I work now. On is the that Fox right? Lot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be people there 
that I know I should know, but that was a year ago, mm-hmm. and like it's hard for me to remember everybody. So you're like, you're like, what do I do? And I came in late. So you're running the come in late program. Yeah. The table read is happening and you come in late. I, lo- I should look like this if I come in late. That, see, that's yeah. what acting is. Mm-hmm. It, it was interesting in the book, which I've, I've referenced a lot, which is called uh, Impro. This guy talks about how acting is really just realizing that we're all acting. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually paraphrasing. And he, one of the exercises that he does is he's like, I want – so he's teaching class. He's in a school. I want you to leave the room and then I want you to walk in and pretend that this is the wrong room. You know what I mean? You've walked into the wrong class. But I want you to walk in with your head down, look up, realize it's the wrong class, and then act that way, and Uh then excuse yourself and leave. And the lesson that he's trying to teach is that you know that program is in your software. Already. So he's trying, what what actors are doing is trying to like hack their own system and be like, I'm going to make the program run. It's actually pretty disturbing. But it should make you feel, it should make embarrassment and anxiety go away if you know that it's it's just a program that you're running. I completely agree. Like I should be able to, because I know that if I walk into a room that I put on a reaction to having uh, being in the wrong room, then yes. I should just be able to not put that on because who cares? It's just right. one thing or another. Well, that's it's where, just a simulation. Well, that's where humanity comes in. <laughs> I, I was sitting around the other day, and pizza is one of the most suggestible foods. If mm-hmm. I'm want for me, pizza, ice cream, Italian food in general, and ice cream. If I'm watching television and I start eating ice cream, the ice yeah. cream program starts running. <laughs> and I go, it's 2013. I'm a grown man. Uh, I can go get ice cream. <laughs> I start playing it out. I'll be like, all right. And this is something that makes us very, very human. We go like, well, tomorrow I'll probably regret eating the ice cream because yeah. I'll feel like a fat ass. Yeah. But then I'm like, but I'll also get a, a rush from eating the ice mm-hmm. cream. And here's the thing. What you're saying is why can't we just realize anxiety and un- discomfort and all these things are just programs, which I completely agree and I have a point about that too. Why can't I, when my blood sugar is low, and this is what I try and do, eat a, a spoon of raw honey, which is also <laughs> very good for you, which will get your Give blood you sugar up. the same up, effect. And you won't have any of the guilt because you'll be getting all these micro blah blahs and blah blah. But the problem is, is I'm trying to convince myself that I'm just a machine. I go, I'm a machine. And I run on different fuels. Mm -hmm. And my brain right now is stupid. It's a child's brain. And it wants, uh, what is Jimmy Fallon's ice cream called? Late night snack. Oh, late night snack. so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And so and it's got salt and sweet and Megan, cold. who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it hits all the markers. I'll even go like, I'm getting ready to do a late night show. <laughs> yeah. I no, should eat this a, ice cream. But it is a deal that you make with yourself. I was I heard about this study on, uh, I've been listening to a lot of like Radio Lab podcasts lately. And they, did, they were talking about this study where a group of people was put into a room and they were each given a number. Mm. Um, and they were told, okay, you need to memorize this number, and then you're going to walk down this hallway it's to another room. It's a long number. It's not like four. Well, they gave they didn't tell everyone, but they gave different people different size numbers. So some people get two two digits. Mm-hmm. Some people get seven. Seven okay? easy. It's like a phone number. Seven seven easy. But six, so you're fucked. <laughs> but they'll do anywhere between seven and two, uh-huh. um, or like two, two, a shorter one or a longer one. I understand. And then they have these people walk, and then they're supposed to go into this other room and then just recite the number once they get into the other room. But what they didn't tell them was that midway they were going to be greeted by a woman who had a, a tray that. Uh, and she said, I have a snack for you before you go into the other room. There's a piece of chocolate cake or a fruit salad. The people that had the long number to memorize 
overwhelmingly went to the chocolate cake. Uh-huh. Whereas the people that only had two digits ate the fruit salad. And I and they explained it as like, you know, you have an emotional side of your brain and that if your if your brain is exhausted with the the conscious uh, part trying to remember this. this number, it can't override the emotional part. But I think it's more Free that podcast. if I feel like I deserve because I'm doing more work in yes. my if I can convince myself I'm doing more work that right. I deserve this thing, even though there's no relation between those two things. I'm not going to remember that number better because I ate chocolate cake. Right. But I will tell myself, well, you're doing a lot of work today, so you deserve this. Right. But you, but like but you're, I think, saying, you're a machine, you isn't don't that, actually. But need I think it. that's humanity. Mm-hmm. So I think like if robots made us, Terminator Salvation style, <laughs> and I'm Sam Rockwell, I don't take the chocolate cake, and I don't get up and walk to Vons and eat late night snack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but like I think that is the stuff of humanity. But I would like to step outside of it sometimes to my advantage and be like, I don't need. And sometimes I succeed. You know, sometimes yeah. I do succeed, and sometimes I eat the ice cream. Uh, we can't be too mad at ourselves for eating ice cream. This is the weird one that I was trying to play with today. Run, speaking of running programs, it's mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird that it came up. Was I was thinking about, like, I've had friends that have horror stories where, like, weird things happen during sex. Mm-hmm. Meaning, period stuff doesn't really freak me out. But I'm talking, this has never happened to me. Um, I've gotten blood. I'm, I'm not trying to be gauche here. No. But blood Go has made it. an appearance. Yeah. And I don't give a shit. And that's one of those instances yeah. where you have an opportunity to set the stage tone. for the girl. Set the yeah. tone. Girls freaking out and you're like, I don't, I don't care at all. Mm-hmm. And they they, they, can, they they go, if sincere, not caring, run calm down program. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> now, then I was thinking, what if it was something really weird? And I've heard of uh, sex stories where shit shows up. Uh-huh. Okay? It's never happened to me, uh, but let's say shit shows up. And then I was thinking about that where, and let's say it's the girl. So I was thinking, if that ever happened to me, it would be hard for me to convince the girl what we're talking about, which is, okay, something embarrassing has happened. In this case, I'm saying the shit program. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody thinks you hit control S to, <laughs> yeah, to, to run it. the shit program. It was an involuntary. It was a glitch. It was a startup. Yeah. This was already active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh-huh. you rebooted today, <laughs> you rebooted. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. So I say, let's. Almost in a Zen way, let's acknowledge that this thing happened. Mm-hmm. And we're right now, our computer brains, our stupid brains, our, our, which are also very smart, are telling us to run the shame programs, mm-hmm. are telling us to, you're, a, you're also running a fear program that I might run the humiliation program, yeah. or that I might run the gossip program, mm-hmm. or I might run the future humiliation program. Yeah. But what if we just delete the event? Yeah. What if I hit select all the past 15 minutes and we delete it? Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, we're humans and to a certain extent we can't do that. But to a certain extent, I think we can. But it would be – I would – I might be able to do something like that just, just because I – of the added benefit of knowing that then I was living in a relationship where that was an option. Like I tried to – I was in a relationship recently uh, that wasn't – it wasn't a romantic one, but it was – involved with this person and I Matt, and I Matt Goldich <laughs> he just pops up all the time I just love um, but I said can we do you know how like the kids today are calling it time shifting DVRing they're calling time shifting no what's they, that they, it means like I'm not going to watch Community now I'm going to time shift it I'm going to watch it later tonight oh I didn't know that on my DVR they're that's calling it time shifting that's harder to say it's weird I know I don't understand and it that sounds either, like some sort of future police after me <laughs> it sounds very the cool time shifting in here but I but I said can can we make a rule amongst us that if we get into like where we're edging on a fight 
can one of us say? Wait, I don't understand. Why are you fighting with this fella? Because it was a, it was like this whole thing that I was in for like a couple of years where we weren't dating, but I was, but we were hanging out all the time, and it might as well have been a relationship, but there was no fucking going on. Oh, I just you, you can't were doing see the, on the podcast. I'm doing the finger, the in finger the and the whole. There was none of that. There was none of it. And to answer your second I don't question, understand. It was not an, gay. Uh, that wasn't it. Oh. I know Matt Goldich isn't gay. <laughs> you, uh, you were. It was an intimacy, buddy. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was intimate friendship. We did date, then we broke up, then we stayed friends, but we so never got quite back So wait, you have at some point to, had sex? We did for like two and months. And then you went into being friends? Then we went into being friends, but we never quite got back to platonic. It, it always was because you kept snuggling this, and stuff. Yeah, it was always in, it was always in a weird area of like... I I have had ton- I've have I have tons of platonic guy friends. I would never feel weird about bringing up the name of another guy around them. Yes, but I did with this guy so that I knew that it wasn't on the level. You know, there's another like guy you're dating tr- triggers. So what? you and Snuggle Buddy, you don't want to be like me and Tony went. to Well, that. I wasn't dating anyone else because I was allowing that to be my only intimate relationship at the time mm. as like a weird. All right, thing. maybe let's get back to that. But, but you say time. But shifting. so I said to him. Because we would get into fights, which you're not supposed to do if you're platonic friends, because that doesn't happen. But we that's would, what Jess St. Clair said with Jason Manzukis. He was like, "Jesus, it's like you are you're my fucking girlfriend." Yeah, but you're not. You're not. But you're not supposed to be that intense about it. it should just be able to roll off your back, and then you'll go, "Fuck you! I'm not going to go see a movie with you for a month, and then it'll be fine." Whatever. Mm-hmm. But this was like we would get into arguments, and I, I would say. Because sometimes I'll say, I, I don't like the thing that women do where they go, I'm fine, and they don't mean it. But sometimes I know I will be fine. I know it's not a big deal. And so I want you just to, need to burn like, through it. I just need to burn through that time. So I want to go, let's just time shift this conversation. Let's just not talk about it right now. And let's wait three hours. And right. then we'll talk about it later. Because I'm not actually upset about it. Yes. But if you keep talking about it right now, I will create. But I will right. make myself upset about right, it, right, right, right. which I'm not. But like, I let's d- do it later. Let's do it. That's later. good. That sounds like a like a brain hack. I, but I, that's you. But that is me trying to go. I this is a machine. I'm going to run the programs how I see fit. Right. Which isn't right now. Pressing any key will yes. start the rage program. Yes. Any so key. just so, leave me alone yeah. until the cursor starts blinking. Just let the screensaver come on. Yeah. And, and like, and the... it's just Dean Kane with his shirt off. <laughs> And you go, SV, you looking good. But but don't you feel like that doesn't work when you try to do... It's like, because your brain knows you're doing it. I'm, yeah. a little, I'm a little disturbed at how good I can be at stuff really? like that. that. And that goes back to a little bit... And I, I, Look, if I thought I was a sociopath, I would tell you. I, I, there's no reason for me to withhold that. In fact, a lot of interesting people I know have sociopathic tendencies. Mm-hmm. But um, it's typically only in relationships where I'll catch myself being like... In fact, to a to a bad bad place, a girl will upset me. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying to think of something that's not petty, like you drinking soda. Okay, but let's say let's say it yeah. was something like drinking soda, which is so stupid. But I wish I could think of something more yeah. sympathetic. But I don't like that you drink soda mm-hmm. because you have diabetes. Let's yeah. say that. Okay. Okay. Right, well, then that's a big deal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Or I'm afraid you'll get diabetes because okay. your your mom has it. Mm-hmm. Okay. As <laughs> you take a sip. I'm doing it right now just to define I, you. No, I don't like it. You did it. That was like one of the first steps you've taken, and it really uh, felt personal. Yeah. Okay. So, in my mind, unfortunately, and I'm working on this, 
and I've talked about this on the show before, but I won't stop talking about it until I stop doing it. I go, okay, I could run the Megan Stop Drinking Soda program, okay? Mm -hmm. I could Don Draper you and go, take off that swimsuit. It looks desperate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is one of my favorite moments. Uh, I could say, Megan, and this is what I do in my brain. It's all just picture the black uh, black screen with the green writing. Uh, You know, like an old computer. It goes, run. uh, It goes, run. C prompt. Yeah. Yeah, C prompt. uh, Run confrontation program. Yes, no. And, And then I go... Uh, well, simulate it for me. And this is the problem. Instead of doing it in real time, which is a big thing with Dr. Gary Penn, my therapist, doing things in real time. Uh-huh. I feel something and then I tell you. And that's seriously what I'm trying to do now. Feel it, say it. I'm always afraid of having to be like at the end of it go like, I was wrong. Uh, but who cares? Yeah. People are wrong all the time. Yeah. Just be wrong. It's okay. But I want to play it out. So I go, Megan, uh, I go, okay, simulate it for me. And this is all in my head. I go, don't drink soda. And you go, uh, but I like drinking soda. And I go, but your mom, she's going to die. And you go, fuck you. Well, I don't want to think about that every time I drink a glass of soda. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm like, but I love you. And I just don't <laughs> want you to lose your leg. I love your legs. And then you go, I, I, can we just have one goddamn <laughs> just night? one night? Yeah. This is the first soda I've had in two months, and you're all at my ass yeah, about yeah. it. Oh, and then you go, oh, <laughs> look at Fatty getting the peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, now this like weird shame program fantasy is running. The fantasy program uh-huh. runs. And then I go back and it goes run a confrontation program and I just hit no. Because I play it out and I go, it's it just going to flare up or, or it'll run the resentment program in yeah. you and then it's you'll like quietly those, hate me. It's like there, I knew people that when you when those choose your own adventure books were big, yeah. there was always the people that would read them by looking for like they would hold their place That's at the very beginning and yeah. then look for it and find what all the endings were. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't just enjoy it and see. Even though you're – it's. No matter what happens, you're just reading a book. <laughs> like the worst possible situation you could find yourself in yeah. is that you would be still be reading a book, and yet you try to prevent yeah. the worst from happening, which yeah. is nothing. It's right. literally there's nothing that's. Well, gonna my character happen. fell off a cliff. If that if that's nothing but, to you, <laughs> but then you just flip back. But it's like you want to keep your finger there because you but don't. Then I gotta really remember what that. page I'm on, and next thing you know, I'm eating chocolate cake. <laughs> but I have. <laughs> But I have similar things, but for me, it's gotten to a point where it's, I feel like it's pre- preventing me from getting even into the relationship where those programs would be stimulated to happen. Because now I'm, I'm putting up, like, since I've come to LA, I've been having, it's, it's made more sense for me to not engage in that sort of way, because every time I've tried to, it's there's been a bad result from it. So now I, I find myself more, like you're saying, the soda thing. I'm dating a guy right now, and and I find myself tiny guy, a, t- a, a tiny small man. One of those tiny guys. Um, no, no, he's no, he's actually normal size. He's, he's like with the pants. six three. Yeah, but uh, but so he so but we're we're going to eat ice cream, right? And and we're b- going to do that adorable thing where you just get two spoons and like a pint, and you're going to sit in front of the TV and eat it. And so he grabs his spoon, and then I, for whatever reason, like eating off teaspoons like smaller spoons I just prefer it so I pick up a teaspoon and he goes oh you can get one of the bigger spoons and I go oh I just like teaspoons and he goes why and in my head the thing that comes up is why the fuck do you care (laughs) like I want to eat with a smaller spoon that's what I want to do but what that's coming from isn't that I'm actually upset about it it's because I'm thinking about all the times in the future 
when I'm going to be making decisions and no, and he, if he goes away, I don't want to get used to somebody commenting on and like affecting my decisions mm-hmm. because then they go away. That's Do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, I, I've been, bad things can linger. Yeah, but I've been I've been working on my own stuff for so long and and just living my life, making all my own decisions. That this there's a scary thing about letting somebody else come into your decision making mm-hmm. because then they go away and it's almost like you have to rewire your brain back to that's interesting. Every decision you make is now going to be just based on what you want, right? Which it's I would it's kind of terrifying, but honestly, I would love somebody else to be a part of that. Like today, one of my be be a part of decision making, be a oh. part of everyday little tiny things, mm-hmm. like so that everything that I you know that some people don't like the idea that you you would get into a relationship where what do you want to eat for lunch and you'd have to have that conversation with somebody else. I I really I think deep down I want that to be the case because I know that along with that kind of annoying conversation also comes that I wouldn't have been in Malibu all alone trying to convince myself well, that I was either f- having an allergic reaction or not. Are you sure that, that, that else you saying been? this today isn't just an extension of... Because I'll tell you this, Orin's in town. Uh-huh. We both love Orin. Yeah. And I love Orin. So, again, I was doing something during the day. It wrapped up around 4, 4, 30. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the Sony lot, and I have to come here, and that's about a half-hour drive. So I'll get here at 5, which is an hour early. Now, technically, I could try and meet up with Orin and all that sort of stuff. But, like, my body, my brain will just immediately go, like, fuck any inconvenience. Yeah. I will get here early. I will eat leisured. Yeah. And Orin is not a pain in my ass. I, I yeah. love I, – very few people do I love more. To yes. It creates – so, but look, if I if I had a bee pollen attack and my throat was closing, then I'd be like, wouldn't it be nice to eat with Oren? Yeah. Isn't all lunches with friends kind of like, this is great. I love getting a club sandwich and splitting it with you. And if I got hit by like a mysterious dart, you'd tell the police what happened. Yeah. That is, there, but that, but I feel like getting used to having that is, this, the fear is to get used to something like that and then not have it again. Because I've not had it for five years, and I've become totally okay with that. Well, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a dangerous thing to become too independent. Mm-hmm. First of all, social interactions are hugely important. It's actually uh, – this has come up on the show before, but the idea that, like, not interacting with other people is actually – will give you disease. Like, they're showing that, that it's bad for your brain. It's bad for your body as mm-hmm. well. We're social creatures. This is why buildings exist and microphones and electricity and all that sort of stuff. You know, Ben Franklin had that mouse in the car. <laughs> you know, he had a friend. <laughs> Even Michael Jackson had that mouse that he was friends with he for did? a while when he was – did he write that song, Ben, that was about the Oh, little- yeah. But he had like a little friend <laughs> in this mouse. You got don't underestimate the mouse friend. It'll take you into a great place. Yeah, but yes, it's good. Social it's good, but then also, him. so like I remember my mother. One of her friends was uh, sadly widowed, and then she got remarried. So she's like in her fifties, late fifties, maybe sixties even. And it's like, oh, how's that going? Like I asked about her friend, and she's like, well, it's going well, but like it can be tricky with the, these guys that have been independent for a while because he was also he was a widower. And he had been single for, or whatever you call that, for 10 years. Yeah. And then, like, you get to the point where, like, I, I'm afraid that I get to that point where I'm like, it's a 9.17 and that's when I butter my toast. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden there's a fucking girl there going, like, brunch. You're like, shut up. <laughs> it's still 
nine set. Now it's nine eighteen. Well, as you were saying that though, I realized which I don't want, by the way. You don't. You're, no, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, to be to be creating your own schedule out of nothing. But I'm afraid the second I start dating somebody, I'm just like every meal's in a restaurant. Bring us <laughs> a bottle of Bordeaux. I just yes. I just want to show them that we can like live in Gomorrah for but a year. I find that as soon as I start dating somebody, I want to go to the time period where you're just laying on the couch watching TV as quick as possible. Me too. No, that's I. I, I don't want to go out and di- I don't want to go. Yeah, to but, a bar but, but what are we doing? Like, We're eating ice cream. Yeah. I, I had a girlfriend like that. I was very proud of this. Like, right away, uh, I came up with a series of theme dates, and one of them was pajama date. And that was my That's favorite really one. That's really cute. And then after, I know, and then after, uh, and then after a while, it became, like, almost exclusively pajama dates. Because all I want is goddamn fucking pajama yeah. dates. That's what I want. I want to be soft and comfortable. Have I talked about you forget how lonely you are? I've been talking about it in life. Anyway, like, when you spend time with a girl... Uh, and, you know, I was seeing somebody and we spent all this time together and I haven't seen her in a long time, blah, blah. You come home and you forget how lonely you are. Like, yeah. I'll sit on my couch and I'm like, I thought I was the king of the castle. Turns out I'm a lonely boxcar hobo. <laughs> and it was just waiting for you all that time. Yeah. Oh, the loneliness. Just lying dormant. We just the whole shovel time. streaming Netflix and we shovel independence <laughs> and we shovel I sleep covered whenever up, I want. Up. And then it's yeah. hand like a zombie just pokes through exactly. from the grave. Exactly it's right. It's never dead. It's never dead. You know what, though? But I'd... also, the, then you're in a relationship, and then you're shoveling different shit on a different zombie, yeah. and that's the independent zombie. Yeah. And that's Which not a zombie. It. He's worse than a zombie. I've talked about him before. He's Matt Damon drunk in Bagger Vance, <laughs> playing cards in the back of that room lit by a weird lantern, and he's just telling you the truth, and you know he's right, but he's evil, and you want to sober uh... him up and teach him how to play golf again. And you're convinced it, it's become so. It's it, whenever you have one, you, you become convinced it's the grass is always greener. Thing. Everybody's it, full of shit. Everyone is. As soon as I am truly independent, all I can think about is how de- how I want to be dependent on somebody yep. else. And as soon as I have anything inching towards dependence, all I think about is I've got to get away from this. Everybody's like, I, full of shit. And you and you think about you re- romanticize the way you were when yep. you were when you were alone and think God I, that was the life. And then when you get it again, you're like I am fucking miserable. Every day. uh, Look, I want to talk about this so much. I just feel like, yes, there's a zombie. The lonely zombie is covered in dirt. But uh, Matt Damon, card drunk, Bagger Vance (laughs) analogy that no one will get. I feel like I've convinced myself that that guy is much worse. It's much worse to be in a bad relationship with a drunk Matt Damon being like, what the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck out of this. That's terrible. Because let, let me put this to you. I just visited some of my favorite friends in the world, and uh, they are married. They actually got married a week after I got married. I know Emily and Kumail. Ha. This, is a different, this is a different couple. These are I, I lovingly joked to them that I was like, you're one of my civilian couples. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. Um, but they live in Michigan. I love them to death. Uh, and they have a family. Mm-hmm. They, I got married on my weird honeymoon that was just a road trip to Chicago, we stopped at their wedding. So they've been married Aww. almost exactly as long as we have. Okay. And uh, Kurt, uh, his name is Kurt, and I were very, very close. We went to Israel together. We were practically roommates in Israel. So we were like together like writing our, our little <laughs> Christian girlfriends like letters and Aww. stuff and planning on getting married and all this sort of stuff. So he got married right when I got married, and then he and his, his wife are still together. And they have two kids. And then I go. 
And here's what happened. So I visit them, and I love babies, and I love little children, and I'm Jesus loves it. And I pick up, <laughs> I pick up the baby, and I can't stop holding the baby. I keep making all these. I have a lot of baby material I didn't know about. <laughs> making jokes with hostesses, like this isn't mine. I just found him, and just like <laughs> making him dance and clean the feet with his little baby socks, Aww. and going like, "Where you get socks? Those little, you know, you know what I mean." And I'm loving the baby. And Do you the, not, not talk to them in your normal voice? Because I, I cannot, I, I can't talk to babies in my normal oh, I voice. Do, I, I'll do a little voice, but I'll soft it a little bit yeah I'm not, just a little bit I'm like you don't little. need to hear what I sound like baby <laughs> well yeah yeah you go baby hey yeah, baby, hey, baby. Yeah, yeah. but I'm not going like <laughs> no, no I'm no. giving it a little dignity yeah. and they've got a three year old as well and that's also a fun age and uh, she's engaging and it was very fun to watch her go from shy and thinking I'm stranger danger to being like her you know one of her second favorite people behind you know her parents and then uh, so that's all great but then you know and I would tell them this and Kurt listens to the show so maybe he'll hear this but like I get in the car and I see very closely the life that I uh, that I almost had which was that I would have probably ended up like uh, in that you know having kids remaining married and then I get in my rental car and I'm an LA jerk and I'm wearing my stupid jacket <laughs> my stupid G-star jacket you know what I mean and I hit the road and which is it am I running the compensating program or is that I, I, I actually think yeah. it might just be a better fit for me right now because I love those babies but then like you can totally see that like yeah, you're going to give up everything for those babies because all, yeah. the, all the parents were telling me was they never sleep and I the babies very, go nuts and all I've this sort really of stuff. I recently had a conversation with Brent James Sullivan about this. BJ's? And I, I was saying to him how I there was a time in college that I was working with kids all the time and I was really, really convinced that I wanted to have kids, so much so that I was dating a guy who said that he didn't want to have kids and I considered it a deal breaker for myself. Yeah. Now... I'm way closer now. I'm 28, much, much closer to the time when I should be having kids, thinking about it at least. And I've become the opposite. Now I wouldn't want to get into a relationship with a guy who said, I definitely want to have kids no matter what. Because that would be, I would be scared because I'm not sure I want to have them. Oh, now you flipped. Now I flipped. Mm. But, and so I'm talking to Brent about this, and I, this is terrible, I just assumed that Brent would, didn't want to have kids. Brent James Sullivan Brent is, James is a Sullivan. homosexual male. A homosexual male. I just assumed he didn't want to have kids. Because he's and a homosexual he's, male or just no, because of... No, but just because of <laughs> give who it up. he is. Because, One more time. <laughs> just because I've Eat seen... Cheerios. I've seen him get <laughs> aggravated by the smallest thing. Like, yeah. he would be walking in Williamsburg down the street and he would see uh, an attractive guy and his his re- response wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's cute. It'd be like, oh, come on. Like, he would get mad yeah. about how hot a guy was that yeah, was just walking yeah, past him. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, his threshold is too low. Like, you have to be a really selfless person. But then I... So the, but then he said something to me, which like was really. I said, "You sure you'd never want to have kids? Like, how do you feel about that?" And he goes, "Well, I don't think I want to have kids now, but I'm also not sure that I want to be this self-involved for the next like 40 years." That's the Dana Gould. Dana Gould. Dana Gould. <laughs> Sorry, I thought Katie was waving at me. Dana Gould said that, and it's come up. Um, okay, this all goes back to everybody's full of shit, and mm-hmm. that's an important point. And I can't make it enough, and I don't think we can make it enough, and we should talk about it. Everybody's full of shit, but. One of the things that we seem to know as a species is that having kids or, more importantly, having something bigger than themselves to pour themselves completely into and take – Mother Teresa, I don't know. I don't know Catholic trivia. Didn't have children, I'm pretty sure. But I'm pretty sure she wasn't really thinking about herself that much. So she did it without children. So Mm -hmm. let's not say it's just children. But that seems to be a pretty quick way to mainline interest in someone else. The baby literally is crying four or five times a night. Uh, creeps me out, but Creep, yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. I gotta be home for this thing. Something needs me. Interspecies yeah. uh, 
uh, crossover. Mm-hmm. I understand that. The Christmas card with the dog always kind of freaks me out. It's like, this is Buddy. <laughs> we, we don't need anybody else. <laughs> and that goes back to what I was saying was, if you're single and you have a pet, fucking get rid of that fucking pet. Because if you're not married or s- seriously committed, because what happens is you break up with the person and then you have the dog and then a new fella comes along and he, like, this That's happened to me. You go out with the girl and you're like, well, what's this dog? And it's like, me and Tony had this dog. That's- fucking throw the dog in a goddamn well. <laughs> go to Carlsbad Caverns and toss that dog in because he's a constant <laughs> sniffling, snout, snout wet, licking reminder of Tony and the way he used to snout lick your yes. cooch. That's fucking what, scram. The guy that I'm saying, these are his dogs with his last girlfriend. Fucking give them to the girl. <laughs> and by that I mean tie a note around their neck that says, I belong to this ex-girlfriend and yeah. let them to the I, wild. I, I do, I, only because I truly believe that you don't you don't stop a rela- like feeling things for a rela- even if you hate the person you don't stop feeling things until you cut ties that's what it's, I'm saying you, you we're, you're talking to... we're two people that were like you don't want the bed that you yeah you don't want the bed you get rid of the gift get, so you, you want to rid your life of Clementine get rid of all the mixed CDs that they made for yes. you because when you put listen it in to a garbage bag songs, and erase <laughs> it you're dead fucking you. living in the past that dog's name is Reminder and I want to drop yeah. kick it into the future <laughs> Who do you love more, me or you stupid pug? Oh, remember when we watched that movie and he was sitting between us and he took a little poopy? But but it makes me feel like... Scram! I have felt like that. But I run all of those programs in my head because it makes me... To say them out loud makes me feel like the only way I'm going to come off is jealous. Even though it's more like I I can't... Like, I... If... (laughs) I don't know where we begin if this thing, if it seems like, you know, when you start a parentheses, you have to end, you have to put the other parentheses or else the yes. the first one doesn't make any sense. Yes. So like if we put another start of a parentheses, so now we have two, but you haven't finished one off yet. Right, right. What the fuck are we doing? Like I'm part of her parentheses still. Yeah. You know because what I mean? of the dog? Be- well, I mean, God, this is terrible. We've all, like, he's probably going to listen to this. We've only been dating for a couple months, uh, but I, but I feel these things very strongly inside my head and I don't say them out of my mouth because I know that they're crazy. Because I know that it well, shouldn't matter crazy. to me. I understand. I, I didn't even want to uh, ask a girl out because I was a little freaked out by her dog, ex-boyfriend dog. <laughs> this, this was our, our little guy. But I feel like sometimes the reason that people get dogs when they're in bad relationships is because they need, like you're saying, they need something to focus on that isn't themselves or each other because sure. themselves and each other aren't happy. That's true. So they, I've noticed they, you going with the kids. Yeah. Kids are, like, they're very happily married. You get a married. dog, all of a sudden all your Always conversations are about, about the dog. dog yeah. Whether or not the dog is eaten, whether it's gone out, whether it poops yeah, this yeah, morning, yeah, whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have this, now you have this other series of That's programs very sweet of that you, you to, can to, run. To realize that and maybe attach it to a bad relationship. But here's the truth. I guess the harder truth is what you were saying is that, look, we're all these tapestries and, and, and uh, we're, we're corporations and, and we've had all these employees, these past employees, <laughs> and their, their picture used to be on the wall that was employee of the month. And some of them were employee of the month for 12, 13, yeah. 14, 15 months. And then you fired them. And then there's a couple months where there's nobody. And, and then there's a picture. new picture. Yeah, and it's a couple months, and you don't know. know how long it's gonna go. I know. And the problem with um, you know social media now is that you can so easily see all of those other pictures. Yeah, you can find as soon as you start. Oh, that, someone, can I say that you too? Can find a photo. Get of rid of the photos. 
Yeah. Get rid of the photos. Get rid of them off your Facebook feed. Fuck you. In fact, take your dog's paw and make him press delete on all the photos and then toss that dog into a windmill. I barely, this has been the first couple months of dating that I've done in five years and it's done. At the end of this podcast, it'll (laughs) be over. Oh, no, no. I'm the Uh, jerk. You haven't said anything incriminating. But it, it, you know, I mean, what you're saying about kids, yeah, you have that focus. You You can run that. Start thinking about that thing instead of yourself yes, all the time. Yes. Hopefully, then. Well, Daniel programs- says otherwise you become, and he wasn't trying to be mean. He was like, you might become someone like Gary Shandling or something who's a little bit odd. Yeah. Because men, middle aged men, shouldn't still be doing what I'm doing, which is constantly buttering my bread at 917. Yeah. <laughs> you need something to go like, Dad, what's a flower? And you go, whoa, well, that's fuck shake bread. Yeah, this is really, what's your name again? <laughs> Madeline? I picked that? <laughs> but the thing that scares me, I think the thing that scares me away from having kids is that although to you it's just like, oh, something to shake up my day, everything that you say, like the kid is like a little soft piece of clay, everything that you say, the way that you are, leaves little tiny impressions on them. Like we were talking about, you know, like the independence versus dependence. A pivotal moment in my life for my balance of when I need dependence and independence was my, uh, not not even this, my, my dad died when I was eight. But when I was around like nine, nine and a half, I was walking through the. <laughs> you just wrote something down like my therapist. Just, wrote eight. <laughs> just. <laughs> I also, when you weren't looking, at it, I put my hand up in a flourish, so you Whoa. wouldn't think I was trying to hide it. Um, eight. It also says stuff. Everybody's full of shit. Sweat. Malibu. Shit oh, this program. Is, uh, yeah. So, uh, but the pivotal moment was a Jeremy couple, uh, maybe like a year. Oh, God. Keep going. <laughs> I can't. That's changed everything. That just... Jeremy Pivotal. You just but, leave. <laughs> but I walked past, I was walking through the kitchen when my mom and my aunt were having a conversation. And I often just heard my mother say, it's, it's harder now sleeping in the house without a man in the house. Like, it's a little bit harder to go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And my soft clay brain locked that away and went, safety equals men. And then that's been in my brain forever in mm-hmm. a deep way that I, like, can't. I can't I, get out. I of completely my, get that. But she said it offhandedly, just in a conversation with yep. with somebody that terrorizes that terrifies We're me. Little stenographers, having, yeah. And I don't want to have the. You're so bored as a kid. You have nothing going. <laughs> you just on. suck up information from parents. Every are just yam yam yammering. She's talking to your stupid neighbor Debbie. <laughs> They're having a Manhattan early in the day, <laughs> and she says something offhand like that. But you, you're like you're like this is only my seven thousandth day. And you have z- yeah, you have zero perspective. Yes. because within. 10 years I had learned that uh, about object permanence that things stay in the same place that they were at even unless you, you don't see even it. when you don't see them and then within 10 years I hear that that yes. ma- a man <laughs> so it's like think about that in the space of your life that, that that's where I was coming from yes. that's how how much my brain is learning it's going from knowing when I close my eyes the world doesn't vanish yes. to hearing that thing within 10 years yeah. you know it oh my god that was There is quite a show. Wow. <laughs> How much of it is picking up on the microphone? It's impossible to tell. What is it, a music show? It's an improv show? That's fine. You don't have to. What are you going to do? 
We got a yes and the bad improv show. <laughs> I like assuming. Isn't that's that weird right. that I just immediately, I've labeled them my foe, I don't like their show, whoever it is, <laughs> is on my shit You're list, unfunny. whatever. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to hurt your career. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm joking. Um, I completely relate to what you're saying. And um, you just made me think that I remember I learned a lesson from my mother that it was like, staying home with my mom was good and going out was bad. Yeah. So that's where I started to like really foster that codependence. And those And you got dad dependence or man dependence. Yeah. Where where guy equals safety, you hear that from your last remaining parent. Yes. It's still gospel to you because I'm under the age of 10. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes implanted in a way that even though I know that that's not true today because I haven't had a guy with me for most of my life and I'm safe and because I lock the doors and I I find safety in other ways like living in an apartment building, you know, things like that. I find saying you're a cop living in Larchmont saying you're a cop. (laughs) Um, But. And yet it doesn't matter because the irrational one, the first thing, the meta, the the monolith in my yes. 2001 is this one thing that my mom said once right. when I was and nine. And she just meant that she had probably been sleeping with your dad for a very long time. And that it was weird to not have him around. And it is weird. I'm sure it is very, very weird to but, go to that. But that started in me probably about eight or nine years of every night before I went to bed, I would check under my bed to see if anybody was there and then check in my closet to see if anybody was there. Hmm. And I did that all the time because somebody said something offhandedly. Now, I wish that anything in my adult life could make me like if somebody said kale is good for you and I know you're you've, you're on this train. But if somebody <laughs> could say that to me and it could impact me in the way that that statement. Yeah, no, I understand me, what you're saying. It would I would eat it every day. I would could never you spend I would, the rest of your life. Well, then you become Dan Mintz and you're eating five packages of... Uh, you worked with him on Dimitri. I did, and he would eat like the same thing every day, and no. it was fascinating to me. That, that that Dan Mintz, who I'd like to get on the show and I think is very funny, is to the point where sometimes you, your brain becomes a computer so much mm-hmm. that I, I lose the soul feeling. I'm not, I'm not talking about Dan anymore. We're taking yeah. Dan out of this. But if you start becoming a little bit like... And I figured out you have to do that. I want to do Dan Mintz now. Can <laughs> I, I figure out that if I eat uh, five things of broccoli, Margie and I will live forever? <laughs> it wasn't even was good. good. It wasn't good. No, it was, was good. It? I think oh, it was yeah. <laughs> I, I can do it but better I'm, if I hear I'm them. exactly the opposite in a lot of ways now in that I would consider 90% of my decisions to be b- craving-based. So, like, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I don't like to plan things ahead. Like, I don't go grocery shopping for a lot of things in one sitting mm-hmm. because I don't like knowing, I don't like buying a package of sausages on Monday and knowing that I have to eat two sausages. So, there are no eggs over in your the house. next. I mean, eggs be only because there are that I have a roommate that will share them and because eggs will last for a few weeks. So, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to, but I'm throwing out stuff all the time, but I'll only buy. I, I won't buy, I won't plan meals because I don't know how I'm going to feel on that day. And I don't ever want to have to eat something because that's the thing that I have. I want to always be able to eat what I want in that moment. I can see the upside to that. But it's also... I can also see the crazy side. Yeah, it's kind of... I mean, it's... I don't think it's crazy. I, I just think it's... Uh, you don't want to get to the point, Dr. Gary Penn, where these <laughs> things that make sense... One of the most valuable things Dr. Gary Penn taught me, whose book is available now, <laughs> is that like uh, paranoid people are correct 
You know what I mean? You can't really convince them that their paranoias aren't true. You could have an aneurysm. Yeah. You could have a heart attack. Yeah. Your, your, your plane could go your down. Your plane could go down. Yeah. Your uh, This room could explode. Mm-hmm. Gas leak. Whatever you want to say. All those things are true, but you can't become... You, and he actually says this, so if you're mad at my, my use of the term bitch, that email Dr. Gary Penn. <laughs> I don't even remember if he says bitch, but you can't let it be, be your bitch. Like if, and he always uses the example, if I like want to adjust this notebook so it's like parallel mm-hmm. with a thing, that's, that's fine. There's nothing really wrong with me liking that better or worse, uh, straightening out the carpet or, yeah. or I want my door open just as much. But like it's this, it's independence from those types of things that do make sense. Yeah. Your love of spontaneity and be honoring your, your desires is good. You just don't want to be, a, become You don't want to have to do it you don't want every it to time. become a, yeah. a problem. Yeah. Because you're right. There's nothing wrong. In fact, like if I was writing a quirky romantic comedy, I would be like, this girl doesn't buy groceries because she's like, what if I feel like asparagus? And then you go and buy it like a fucking French woman at the market. And you're like, this is what I cook this day. But I think that that is based on independent. I mean, like that's what I like about hotel rooms and being independent and stuff because I can oh, yeah. service those things in exactly the way that You're I want. You're a monkey and you push the banana I, button and I a banana comes. I can eat breakfast in bed because I don't have to worry about crumbs in the bed because it's not my bed. Yes. So I can do exactly what it's I want. Indulgent. It's indulgent. It's just, yeah, indulgent. It's, it's like, best. that's what I want to do all day long It's just indulge. It's a human need. Yeah. And you don't have to go to a hotel to be indulgent. Every time you just like, canceling plans, yeah. is there anything better there's nothing. I feel bad that I was gonna. I was gonna go to this uh, party. I know. I want to try to get out of that too. Ooh, what? <laughs> that oh, terrible? I'll get out of it. I like being invited, and then I love. I, love... I want to see people, but like I went through this whole thing with my fucking eye swelling shut today, yes. and I want nothing more than to cancel my plans for the rest of, of the course. night. Of course, why not? Because... I'm glad you didn't cancel this. But I mean, like when when Kumail and I bail on each other all the time I call him Kubail and it never <laughs> really bothers me yeah unless it does and if it did I'd be like I really need to hang out can you yeah. like fucking rally but like canceling on somebody is, 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 a, is a treasure yeah and even especially and if you get away with it too yeah especially well if, it's if you're kind of usually a, a really good person and then you, you like my, I have a I have a friend that describes it as if you're a really good person and you usually do things that you're supposed to do and you make plans and you keep them, then you have a pocket full of no's that yes. you can pull out whenever you want. And you're not a bad person if yeah. you use one once in a oh, while. And it's good. And it feels so good. It feels great. Like, I want nothing more than tonight to get in my car and drive immediately back home and just let this Benadryl take oh. control of my body. Oh, you're on a drowsy thing. They gave me a shot in the ass today. That's how oh, bad Benadryl? it was. I, I went to an urgent care in Malibu and I had to see a doctor. Which is like... A world-class hospital anywhere else. I had to go to the ER. Oh, my God. In Malibu. In Malibu. I live in Bushwick. Yeah. It was so nice there. And the guy was really nice. But I had to get, like, a couple shots. And, like, they gave me some pills and stuff to – because I was – my face was – Basically – but then like dark man. This is how L.A. it was. (laughs) I said to the doctor after he described all – I'm going to have to give you a shot of adrenaline for all this stuff. I said, is there any way that I can get out of here in time to beat traffic (laughs) on the Pacific Coast? highway because I really don't want to be and he was like oh yeah god we'll get you out of here before traffic and I was like okay good because I just have something at six and if I get out of here at five like I'll never make yeah, it yeah 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 and wow. he was totally understanding went, is it a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which one Ooh, which podcast I'll um, listen to it so uh, let's talk about man dependent by the way that those dynamics of man I, I feel like I play into that I feel like that's part of the bullshit that's happening mm-hmm. I'm not really that much more valuable 
or or at all than uh, than the women that I've dated in extreme situations. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've dated girls that are more valuable than I am, more confrontational, more. Uh, whistle blowy, meaning flat tire fixing. Well, I, I'm, I'm, yes, yes. I'm to also, yeah, no directions. I'm, I'm very spatially mm-hmm. unintelligent. Uh, aren't afraid of confrontation and that sort of stuff. Like I, I saw a couple fighting. It's always awkward when you see a couple fighting, and you're like, do I, do I interject? You know, you, yeah. like we're where, all, where are they in the fight? We're all a bit of cowards. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it, it was weird because they were a, a black couple, and you're like, am I being racist? <laughs> I, I, you're not even supposed to say what I'm saying right now, but you're like, I don't know. They're, they're being heated, but, you know, uh, Latinos are like passionate fighters. Yeah. Are black people passionate? Is it just uh, the, the way you, you go through all – you're running yeah. all these Am I Being Racist programs. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, does the woman need help? She doesn't seem like she needs help. She seems pretty calm. He's freaking out, though. What do you do? Like, I don't know how I got on this. But anyway, <laughs> the point is we've done 90 minutes, and that's all we do. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we get a light at 90. I was going to say we – I'm we, teasing you. I feel like we <laughs> no, you're doing talked great. sort of uh, – yeah, what I'm we saying, went through a weird little thing with my hives, and then into my man problems. I don't know how we're we in your there. man problems now right now. And, and I, I'd love to talk. Oh, sorry, you, I'd love to hear more <laughs> about your father and what that did to you. <clears throat> yeah, if we may. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like to open that up, I'm telling you that I understand people that like really want to like deconstruct gender roles mm-hmm. and are offended by them as much as like i'm thinking of a person in particular who i love to give a lot of shit for how unbearably pc she is um the kind of person that doesn't want you to say go straight but go forward that sort of thing <laughs> sort of person that like yeah gender heteronormative heteronormative i had that said to me once i was working yeah. at the ymca and this woman was buying a family membership and i said what's your husband's name and she said please don't make heteronormative assumptions about my life and i was really taken back and i, I really apologized and i was like i'm so sorry i didn't mean to what is your partner's name and she was like no i have a husband i just don't appreciate you making these yeah, stuff. and i, I was like did. okay now you can go fuck yourself yeah. though because statistically I, there's a better chance that you have a sure. husband yeah then and and i didn't say what's your husband's name and then you said no i have a wife and then i said well go fuck yourself yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that, weird. <laughs> weird which one's the dude <laughs> I, I didn't say that yeah i made a I and then your co-worker goes like hubba hubba can i watch sometime <laughs> just the worst lesbian response but yeah those pc people where you're like that's not your well this girl isn't a lesbian either but she's aggressively hetero- yeah. into heteronorm and i what i'm saying is I understand. Sometimes I do like to unhinge my brain and just be like, what would it be like if we just got rid of all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, it brings a lot of order to my world. Again, <laughs> going back to not being a serial killer, I am a straight, white male who enjoys the fact that the world, and I'm not supposed to say this, has been kind of laid out yeah. in my favor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not proud of that. I'm just acknowledging that. But so, wouldn't you be a worse person if you didn't acknowledge that's it? That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping and that it's okay to acknowledge it. you relish a little bit in the ease of it. If you complained all the time being like, I have it so hard. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm not saying – I'm not putting a judgment on it. I'm just saying that's how it is. And then sometimes as an experiment to broaden my brain a little bit, I, I like to think about like how am I participating mm-hmm. in the symphony of some bullshit? Some of the notes are bullshit. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that like I – We've talked about this on, on the show before. It comes up a lot. Some of my girlfriends were daughter girlfriends where uh-huh. I'm really their dad. Yeah. And I've had mom girlfriends where they're really my mom. And I've had uh, other different dynamics. But talking about safe guy mm-hmm. thing, that is something that I've noticed when you brought it up. I was like, 
oh, yeah, that's one of the features. If I'm a peacock and I'm showing my feathers, I go, I'm a giant, even though we've just covered that I'm a coward. Yeah. You're like, I, I, I look safe. <laughs> but what's nice about that is when you pretend, what I like about that is that I, and I've dated guys who are that act that way. And yes. I know, I know in my mind that they're not. But if we ran into a guy in a dark alley, I'm not 100% sure he would protect me. Right. Nor am I sure that I would want him to like lose his life trying to protect me. Right, I'm not right, sure right. I demand that of him. And yet, if he's pretending that, that allows that he is that way, it allows me to pretend like I'm this meek female that, and, and I've, and I actually, doesn't that go back to fucking though? Yeah, but well, but what it goes back to, to me, it's like, <laughs> it it's, it's very regressive and in you hate yourself for wanting to be that like submissive female. But I think of it this way in my work, I have, I can't be that way. I have to be really confident. I have to be decisive. Yes. I have to, I have to act like I know exactly what I'm doing and I deserve to be there and I'm equal to you and everything. And all I want to do when I clock out at the end of the night is go home and have a guy be like, Hey, bring me a beer. Okay, honey. Yeah. Like and there's, it's relaxing yeah. to it's give up that, to give up the need to hold the, to hold your shoulders up and be the guy. Similarly, there are a lot of high functioning, high testosterone, high testosterone men. And I've been this guy uh, when I've been writing for TV or whatever, or although I guess we're saying the same thing actually is the guy in that scenario, let's say he also is burdened by this idea because you are mm-hmm. in a male dominated field and, mm-hmm. you, and your job comedy is a little bit, um, aggressive. Mm-hmm. I was going to say masculine, but I'm trying not to be. It is. It, 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 it invade, invades in a way. It, it, it's... George, uh, George Burns smoked a cigar. Yeah. You know, all those guys. The cigar smoke being associated with comedy, Cosby did it too. The cigar is comedy. Mm-hmm. It's You can't smoke a cigar in the corner of a party. Mm-hmm. The whole room will be evacuated. That's, about it, yeah. That's what it is. It also looks like a dick. Yeah. And it's very invasive. And it's, <laughs> it very, it's a power move. It's all about this is the matrix and you guys can't enjoy your party because it's all like strings and wires and Wait, like... Oh, of the- <laughs> no, but I'm saying comedy, what it does is it, it's aggressive in that it tries to take your your interpretation of the world is oh. that you can't think about things like that anymore. Right, 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 sure. It's invasive to yeah. you in that way. It's philosophically invasive. It's even. not It's not as understanding. I mean, it is in a way, it, it creates understanding between people comedy, yes. but it, it doesn't allow, if you laugh, you're you're sort of implicitly agreeing with the thing you're laughing at. Right. Even if you, if even if somebody had presented you an argument and you wouldn't have said yes, right. if you do it in a funny way, they'll right. laugh and then your brain sort of goes, okay. Well, that's which, what Carlin said Which too. makes it feel like it's being invaded a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. why guys on dates at comedy clubs will never make sense to me because it's like it's a weird thing to let a, mm-hmm. a predominantly male showcase thing go up, manipulate how your date feels yeah, physically, giving her involuntary bursts of joy <laughs> yeah. uh, that you are tending to the rhythm of yeah. and trying to manipulate to maximize her pleasure. It's a weird date. And then you go and you go, I'll take it from here. But and then you, you buy her a fucking ice cream cone. Don't you feel like sometimes being a funny person, I, I feel like this when I go on dates, sometimes I will make jokes that expose the sort of inner workings of what's happening in a moment. And not everybody likes that, especially people that don't do comedy. Like I went on a date with a guy yes, give me an and we were, we were having coffee. And at one point he said it wasn't going that well. Like we didn't have that much to talk about, but he at one point he started talking about how hot they make coffee these days and i said oh do we just run out of things to talk about 
making yeah. a joke yeah, about yeah, the fact. Yeah, like yeah. I would have said the same thing if he started talking about the weather. I love or, that like, you're bringing like this that. up. Yes, but I but I said that, and it was like I pulled. Away. I was like, look at the man behind the curtain. Right, we're having a date, and it's going awkward. Well, actually, and he I did think it's not worse. Well. I think you pulled back the fly and said, look at how limp your dick is. <laughs> is that? That's what happened. Because uh, here, here's what I'm about to I'm tell you to that I'm I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you. I one time went out with a girl, and then we went out again. And uh-huh. the first time we went out, we made out. We did some light making out. Okay. <laughs> and the second some time... Some light, heavy petting. Some li- <laughs> not very much petting. Okay. <laughs> but some mild light- petting. All right. I remember her being a little bit uh, hesitant with the petting. So then the second time we go out... Um, oh God, this is awkward and a little uncomfortable for me. But anyway, Do we it. went out. <laughs> we went out, and, and I remember I said to her, I said, you know... I couldn't just be honest. The real Don Draper move, the real Draper move, and this was a long time ago, this story. Uh-huh. The real Draper move is you're eating your meal and you say something, and I'm not saying that this would quote-unquote work, but it would be honest. And if it didn't work, at least honesty has failed as opposed to a charade succeeding. I sit there and I say, you know, I'm having a hard time being in public with you. I really want to make out again. Yeah. And then you say, let my places around the corner, let's go to my... We, I'm not saying yeah. we can't go out again, but I'm having a hard time keeping my hands off of you. Yeah. Draper, dick hard, <laughs> attractive, uh, direct, uh-huh. a- appealing yeah. to the man and the woman. The man becomes appealing to himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that helps everything. And then uh, what I did say was uh, something along the lines of... Uh, you know, my place is right around the corner. We could just go home and watch a movie. Uh-huh. And then she said, Megan Gann style, which is, of course, code for making out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, and I'm not proud of this, and I'd like to say that I've evolved since this time. <laughs> and maybe, uh, I don't know if we were clicking up until that point, but I remember when she said that, she robbed my dick a little bit. I remember, which is which is a fine move. Well, if you're pinging and ponging, and everybody's get, and we get each other, and we're funny, mm-hmm. and you go, "Oh, did we run out of things to talk about?" And I go, "Fuck you! But, Come on, I'm doing so such a good job on this date, and they are making coffee too hot, and it's fun and it's engaging." But it, she said that, and then the last thing I wanted to do was make out with her, and then I did, and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, because, because I was like, you know, "Oh, the code! You well, pulled back the code." Gender roles say that she's not supposed to know what you're talking about when you say right. that. Isn't that, that she, stupid? That she's supposed to be like, this "Oh, is, my word!" He this, wanted like it's supposed to cut, but it's a charade. It's a charade. This is why I'm embarrassed. But, Only the Japanese understand. But she's I supposed to be like, <laughs> "I'm not judging you for that because I <laughs> show that her re- pubes are shaved like Hello Kitty." But really, really. Honestly, not judging for that because because there are a lot of times where I've wanted the guy to just sort of take charge so that I could but fall that's why into that you role. Draper. Oh, but, I oh the fantasy. But the fantasy of, of let's like, just go watch a movie of, 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 of him. Yeah, of him saying, "Hey, babe, let's get out of here," and me going, "Okay," and not having to think six steps down the road right. because I'm just dragged along by my arm well, by this like strong guy who who's totally going to decide what the night is for us for the future. Which is well, see that's that's gossip. It's liberating in a different way. It's not progressive. It's right. not feminist. It's not, but it is liberating in that you can just go, oh, gender roles. Don't they, doesn't this jacket fit exactly like it's supposed to? Isn't it? Isn't it some uh, fucking uh, Betty Crocker cookies coming yeah. out, of these, uh, out of the stove? There's a reason why we created these fantasies. Yeah, and they do work. Yeah. and what the guy is doing when the guy it's it's a little bit vulnerable. 
It's a guy when he says, do you want to go back to my place and watch a movie? He's saying, do you like my fake mustache? And he's not wearing one. Yeah. And you're supposed to go, yes, it's very manly. <laughs> this is so pathetic. But that lie being mirrored back to him sends blood to his dick. Yeah. Now, he's also and- trying to give the girl permission to be, and I say a whore in a good way. He's being a whore, and he's trying to let her, he's trying to give her a green light, saying like in both the Draper approach, uh-huh. which I approve of, and my old cowardly approach, which I'm embarrassed of. In both of those instances, you're kind of saying one in a cool way and one in a lame way. I think it's okay. I want to tell you that it's okay. It's like shitting the bed. I think it's okay if we ignore the horror program. Yeah. And just run to the we're grown people that want to make well, out program. You could call her a whore or you could imagine her as a virgin. She just doesn't know what's going on. And so she goes, oh, go watching yeah. a movie at your house. That seems nice without well, thinking about what that really means. Yeah, now she's a deer. But when she said, but, <laughs> and I but have when, a bow and arrow. But when she says, oh, because you want to make out with me, then it changes the dynamic because now you're yes. not doing something to her. Right. She, you're doing what she expects here's you to the, do here's now. Here's the thing. Is, <laughs> the play is, you know, I live right around the corner. We could go watch a movie. Uh-huh. Oh, that's just code for you want to make out again. Me. Yeah, I'm, and I'm scripting this romantic comedy style. Mm-hmm. Pete, final draft. I just type P <laughs> and then tab. Because it then knows I write, you. If I'm Matty D in The Departed, I love Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, this I is love him so much. He's really on my mind. He, she, I call him a she because then when I have dreams about fucking him, it's not gay. <laughs> not <weird. laughs> I go, uh, in, the, in the romantic comedy version, she goes, that's just code for making out. Okay, now the scales have tipped a little in her favor. She's mm-hmm. kind of wearing the pants, another heteronormative thing. Then I say, who says I want to make out with you? Now I have the power. Yeah, I negging guess. her. And she goes, oh, I just assumed the way you were staring at me all dinner. And then I go like, you know, you, 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 you can, can you ping ever, it and pong it. But can you ever ping get... It, pong it! I know you can ping and pong it, but can you ever get back to being as attracted to her as you were when you initially said, let's go to my house and make out? The ultimate move she, would... She says, that's just code for making out. And then I say, uh, I don't have to take you uh, home to make out with you. And then you make out right there. <laughs> that would Ooh, be cool. good one. See, I'm real good at drafting it later. Yeah, I I'm wish sure. we had... If we could go to the clip of me, that girl saying that to me, and the look on my stupid, lumbering, <laughs> you know, mildly no, sweaty you know, <laughs> face. No, because you know in Mad Men, when he's just sitting in his chair, swirling his drink and smoking a cigarette and looking all cool, he's just thinking about all these cool lines he could say to women ah, in the future. I think you're right. He's planning them in his head. I... So that he'll have something for every occasion because he's not actually suave. You know, he's look, just really good at memorizing I, things. I love the bit. I love the bit, and I should yes and the bit. But the thing with Draper, I'm sorry, we've gone into a sensitive area for me, so I can't just do the bit and sacrifice his character. I think what he's doing is what my therapist says, which is real time. Yeah. He's dealing with things in real time. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him so appealing. That's what makes all those alpha male characters appealing. His testosterone being linked to decisiveness, a point clearly I learned once and just can't stop reteaching people yeah. or t- sharing, trying to sound smart, is the idea that like they feel something like you grocery shopping, I want asparagus, and you eat it that day. Yeah. That's a very appealing, yeah. powerful thing. Mm-hmm. But instead, we are running all these programs. It's so... The things that would delight and attract me, I'm capable of doing, but I don't do them mm-hmm. because I want to, I'd rather be thought of as perfect or something. Because Don Draper isn't perfect. His wife hates him. He's yeah. divorced. His new French wife is kind of weird on him, eating the sherbet. 
<laughs> Singing the song. Singing that, that weird there. song. Yeah, that was a hard moment. Zooby Zoo. Zooby yeah. Zoo. And you think, I think he might hate this. I'm still not sure how he but felt I, about I, that. But I actually loved that because here you're looking at something where if you described that on paper, it would sound like, oh my God, this really attractive thin woman is singing this beautiful French song oh, we're talking about at Zuby her Zuby Zoo to her husband. But it's, <laughs> but it's like on paper, you would think, oh, that's really hot. But in the practice of watching it, all you felt was embarrassment for him, for mm-hmm, her, for mm-hmm, everyone involved, mm-hmm. because, because you knew him and you knew he wasn't into that, who wasn't going to like it. And it was one of those situations where I think it's, I don't know why. I think everybody feels this way. So you start dating somebody, and then they do something for you in front of mm-hmm. friends that have known you longer. And then you add to the, the element of people that you work with. Mm-hmm. So like if Emily, who we all love, and her picture's right there, so she always comes up. But if Emily did some weird sort of dance for Kumail at a party, yeah. I think we'd all have a pretty good sense of humor <laughs> about it. But like no, we, but we the, work with him, we know him well. And if Emily was this new broad that just showed up, we'd be like, what is going on here? But you've talked about this before on the podcast. About <laughs> civilian, no, not the, the first time no, someone no. else has said it yeah. for me. <laughs> really? In a hundred and blah, blah <laughs> episodes, no, no one's ever said you said this before. Not, not, no, no, no. I love it. I the, love it. You're um, about how bringing civilian. I think you talked to John John Mulaney about this. So I listened to that one. That um, that bringing civilian relationships into comedy world awkward a lot of the times because you have a certain dynamic that you that you yes. play with them with. And I recently I went to this party right, and I I hadn't. This was before I started seeing this guy. Hadn't been hit on in a really long time. Was standing in line to, um, for the bar. This guy started hitting on me. What that kind look of, like? Uh, he, he was a civilian. Actually, ended up being a psychologist. And so it was. We were making pleasant. Like I had a drink, and he was like, "Oh, uh, what drink is that?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, some they make pink drinks punch. so cold these days." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a conversation like that, but it was kind of enjoyable. And like I said, I hadn't been hit on for a really long time. So, oh, you we, said that. I didn't say that to him. Oh, I thought you you were drapering it, being no, like, no, you know, no. I haven't been hit on. Oh in a no, no, long no, time. I, I didn't. Uh, I did not say that. Nobody. That doesn't make me seem more draperish or attractive. I don't think. Saying well, that, that goes nobody... back to that code. That's yeah. unpleasant sometimes to, um, to weak men like myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the 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 long the short of the story is that after twenty minutes of talking to him, I gave he asked, "Do you want to go out for drinks?" I said, "Sure." Oh, gave him my party? number. We're at a, just like a big party. It was like um, a charity thing, so there's like five hundred people there. It was like a large party. But so I so I give him my number. I'm like, "Yeah, give me a call." I, I and I say, "Now I'm going to go walk around the room because there's a ton of people I know there, like from the industry and stuff." And I was basically like, "This is so douchey." I have to circulate because there's a lot of people that I knew there that I hadn't talked I to think yet. I'm, I'm a monster then because if someone was like, I need to circulate, I'd be like, I get it. I get it. Well, but so I, but this guy wasn't in the industry, so he probably didn't have like a ton of people there that he knew. He had like come with some friends or whatever. Right. So, but I'm so in I go my out. version of the story, you walk away and then he reclips on his name tag. <laughs> Stewart, back to work. <laughs> Put his apron back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, so so I leave. So I said, you know, nice to meet you. Stuart. I go and I and I run into a group of old coworkers that I used to work with on Community, and I start talking to them. And they're working on Mindy now. And I meet uh, Ike Barinholtz, who I'd only known through Twitter, but I met him in real life there. And so I'm joking around with him, and we're having some inane conversation, and it's just funny. It's like we're doing a bit with each other. And this guy from earlier 
comes walking up. This is like an hour later, maybe, mm-hmm. that I end up in this conversation. And this guy comes walking up. The guy from earlier? Earlier. And Ooh. stands next to me, like, to try to start being in the conversation. And I was immediately like, oh, I hate everything about you and who you are and why are you here and just go away. Mm. Like, that was, like, my feeling about it because... The conversation that I was having, I swear, was about whether or not you could have a limp boner, like, or whether that was an oxymoron. And it was hilarious to me at the time because I was drunk, uh, yes. and the person that I was talking to was really funny, and we were like joking around about it because yes. it had come up. And I was came like, "This guy up. <laughs> came." Thank <partially>. you. <laughs> See, like this. <laughs> but then you have this weirdo guy just standing next to me that's just standing that's his energy, there, like that, a that, yeah, that, buzzing but, like a fridge. And, and you're also like. <laughs> Oh, your energy, just so you know, we're all square pegs and you're a round peg. It's yes. just not, these things are not going to work together. And right. I just know this. Right. And, and everyone that I'm standing with, all the comedy people, slowly just close off the circle with him and I on the outside of it. Just oh, sort of like, you know, because yes. he was like, what is he The gonna... tribe left you. And then I set, looked at him and I was like, hey. And then I was just kind of like, I had to kind of talk to him for two minutes and then I kind of got him to you know like I'm Scoot. just talking to some people and so whatever mm. and then I was like that's, that's do you think he that. got liquored up why did he float over I don't know he satellited you he, <laughs> he Dave did Matthews and you know you. what it it made it so that when he called me I didn't go out with him because did it made you me take it made the me call? I did take the call hey good on but you. it but it, it made me think um I don't know how I'm going to merge this into the rest of my life. It does make me think, I know you've, that's the thing that you've talked about before. How do you merge a civilian We get in trouble for civilians, but non-comedians. Non-comedians. Non-weirdos, really. Into that thing. And it's not because I think we're really great. I think we're super weird, and we can only talk to each right. other in a very right, specific right, right, right. way. And it's hard for other people yes. to come into that Well, that's, that's my question for you now, is what do you do now? What does New Boy do? He's in advertising. So he's like in a creative Draper? field. <laughs> he can really draper you? He does that, yeah. It's the carousel. <laughs> that was a Cigarettes. good draper. Didn't that sound pretty good? I don't that even want to try good. and do it again. I can't tell if Katie likes it or if she pities me. Oh, you like but it? But I do okay. have that fear a lot where, but the it, I, I balance it out with my fear of dating comedians, which is that I've dated comedians. And then there's always the question of competition and people saying like oh you're funnier today or like that everybody's sort of thing everybody's full of shit everybody's full Comedi- of shit comedians maybe i like the full, full of shit, shit from a non-comedian more than we- i like oh the-, the comedians dating each other are full of shit and the comedian dating the non-comedian is full of shit everybody's full of shit mm-hmm. that that was my point about my friends with the kids they're full of shit i'm full of shit single la jerk is full of shit midwestern family's full of shit mm-hmm. comedian with a comedian is full of shit when they're talking about how great it is that no one gets mad when they do spots and then the guy uh with the girl who's like well you know uh occasionally i have to play Settler, settlers of Catan with her weird friend he's full of shit everybody's full of shit we just have to decide which of the shits are we it's like we're yeah. we're at some sort of open air market and there's these different shits and you have a bag and you fill it. Yeah. And you go like, I'm pretty happy with my and blend. And there's a bunch of produce that you're squeezing just slightly to see if that's the produce you're taking home with you. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Two, mo- two months. That's where I am right now. Yes. I've just minorly squeezed the produce yes. a little bit. Yes. I haven't decided whether or not I'm taking But I'm just feeling it out. I was... oh, it feels a little bit squishy. Maybe that's ripe squishiness. Here. Maybe I need to rotate it and feel the other side. Oh, yeah. You don't, don't know, know which side two of the Two months is not that much time. Advertising is good. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things are good. You, that's why I, it's not civilian versus uh, comedian. It, it's, it is really those people that seem to be a little bit 
just wired towards an artistic craft. Yes, yeah. And artists, artists would be even worse. But I'm just saying, there are people who don't do any art in their yeah. life who have artistic brains. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, and, and so it's open to those types of people. I feel like I would have a really hard time dating somebody, not that this job necessarily exists like in Los Angeles, but if I met a person that was like, yeah, I go in every day and there are uh, you know, 100 forms and I fill them out every day with certain numbers that I get from certain data and then I turn in those forms and I'm done with my day. Right. I wouldn't know how to talk to a person like that about because I'd be like, oh, it's, so it's the happened. same thing every time. Bill Burr. You don't. I just watched Bill Burr. He just has, had a great bit where he's like, I need to get married and have kids because I, I don't relate to my friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a little bit different. But like, again, uh, talking to some of my non-comedian friends, I'll be like, what do you do? And it, it's not condescending. It's je- I'm looking. What I'm looking for is the way to um, humanize it, Mm -hmm. to uh, energize it with emotion. Tell me what you do. Tell me what those forms are. Yeah. You're telling me that you acquire grants for a foundation, that they can buy properties. Tell me what the properties are used for. Tell me what you're fantasizing about uh-huh. when you How decide. that inspires you to yes. wake up in the morning Please. and brush your teeth and, and even go if it, there every even day. Yes, even if it doesn't, mm-hmm. which a lot of people's work, and, and you know, uh, I'm not judging that. I've also had jobs that are, that are shitty. Um, the idea that, like, there is some way that you can humanize it a little bit and give it a little bit of a narrative that mm-hmm. you're like, yes, I am a, 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 an accountant, but... Or not, but but here here's how I um, narrate it. Here's mm-hmm. how I give it a narrative. I go like, I help this family save this much money, and then that money gives them this. I heard from them. They told me yeah. they had Christmas because of me. Yeah, you know what I mean. You so you're not an accountant. You goddamn Santa Claus. You know what I mean. You <laughs> made a Christmas happen. To this. And no, there is for but, everybody. But in a weird way, I I do that with the people. Yeah, I do that when I meet other people where I try to understand. But then on my worst days, I work in a, a totally creative field. Yes. On my worst days of that, when I'm hating it and when I when I don't feel inspired, I fantasize about having a job where I just mop a floor mm-hmm. or something where I know when I know how to start it. I know when it's done. Mm-hmm. There's no questions. There's no. Nothing weird. There's no, going to be no yeah. active thinking. It's just going to be here yes. and then there. You're going to move these cinder blocks from this side to that I side. Remember, and I, that's... I, I waited tables and I remember the feeling of my manager. I'd be just working. And then one, your manager's right behind you and he goes, you're cut. Just meaning I didn't even notice the restaurant was slowing down, but uh-huh. I'm cut. Oh, I just, oh, I'll just have those tables <laughs> settle up and then I'm going to leave. It's a great yeah. thing. It's a very nice thing. Yeah, knowing I'm done. Whereas when you, we write stories, literally for ourselves all day, you never quite know when it's done. It yes. feels done, but then somebody will ask a question and the whole thing will unravel like a sweater. And you're like, was it ever knit? Was it ever there? Yeah. And everything is just sort of, but there's nobody that's mopping a floor and then gets to the end and goes, did I mop this floor? It's like, you yeah. know, the yeah, floor is yeah, wet. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell there's a definite. Well, that's why Daniel Day-Lewis makes shoes. <laughs> he does. He cobbles shoes in Italy in, oh. in between movies because you can look at the shoes. There, there's yeah. a real, uh, again, the same, the same study that was talking about how people need human inter- interaction talked about how some people and maybe all people need things like building a table mm-hmm. ikea has given us i mean I, i've had that satisfaction of putting together something from ikea i know that's not carpentry yeah 
But I was like, this was in a box, and now it has my television. I love in it. building stuff like that. It's because a good thing. You, when you're done, you, you've used all the nails that were in the little plastic bag. Yeah. yeah. So you know those are gone. Yeah. Which means they're or if all you're in the me, place. There's that like two or three. <laughs> but that's why I do when I'm in the room um, in a writer's room. I do obsessive origami because if I fold 90 pieces and I fit them all together into a ball, yes. then it's done. Yes. And then I have this ball, and then I put it on the table, and that's I'm like, funny. there it is. That's interesting. You and need something concrete. I, I play games with myself, and this is, you know, it's... I see your doodles, too, which you do as well. I do a lot of doodling. You're very good at that. Oh, well, you're so But sweet. you can draw, like, characters and stuff, which is nice. I can just do repetitive... Like, I just do, like, uh, Oren tick told marks me that, that, that will you cover, do, like, a whole page. Like, fractals and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's weird. The thing that I want to... The way that I do it, just today, you go in and out, and I, I had a couple good shots which was nice you're like okay I'm on the board the first big laugh you get that goes in the script you're like okay yeah, I've good. validated my existence uh-huh. they're glad they asked me <laughs> uh, two you're like I'm overachieving now we're doing great now the other people are starting to hate yeah, me yeah. then I went into a dip where like I, I overpitched and they were, none of them went in mm-hmm. and then I was like I'm going to be quiet for a little while I, I ran the quiet program yeah. and it wasn't out of resentment I was just like I'm going to take it easy check my phone it's all good I'm going to leave a little bit then I was like, I go to myself, I go, I want one more. <laughs> I go, I want one more. You're creating an obstacle course for exactly. yourself to beat. I made a box to tick. Yeah. And God damn it, if I didn't get the blow <laughs> to the whole show, but I got I, the blow and I was like, good night. Oh, good for you. I love oh, getting you. blows to see. And then everyone it gets to leave. It feels so much better. Yeah. Everyone leaves. Everyone leaves. And Once we that's get the closest you come to feeling like you there's a, a definite, yes, there's you a definite the floor. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you you said this thing. It ended a scene. The cameras will cut away because there's nothing left to be said after. Right, your right, joke. right, 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 right. Yeah. And then you get notes, and you're like, they don't like the whole. But I've done thing. that thing too. That middle part that you're talking about, where you start thinking that other people must not be likely. You're overpit. But then I think about this when you're in because you've been in a, a number of writers' rooms now. Do you ever think about other people going like they're pitching too much? Do you spend a lot of time no. thinking about? And I'll tell you, Megan, I'm so terrified of what I'm doing that I never uh, think about what anybody else is doing. So funny. Which, which should, like we're saying, I should be able to stop the program of worrying about myself because chances are everyone else is only thinking about themselves. Yeah. What happened was we were looking for an alt on, uh, on someone was poor uh-huh. and crazy. Okay. And th- someone asked them, what did you have for dinner last night? Okay. And the original version was me and my sister split a feral cat, which people were like, that's too big. Okay. Obviously, yeah. that's too big. Uh-huh. At the table read, it didn't work. It's too big. Uh-huh. So we needed about a million pitches that were crazy things that someone could eat. If they were poor. If they were poor. And it couldn't be too sad. All we know is she's crazy. Uh, it can't be too sad and she has a sister. Uh-huh. I love moments like this, by the way. Me too. Rewrites because it's such a specific box that you need to fill with a joke. And you can't – I can't st- – I have two modes – and one of them's Gatling gun, and the other's checking my phone. Yeah. So then I, I spit out like fifteen things, and one of the other writers made fun of me, and it was fine. I didn't get any heat, like anxiety or, or anger. I oh, was just good. Like, I was just like, okay, uh, you're right. None of those were right. None of those were really good. I remember I was like, I went to the doctor just for the lollipop. Uh-huh. I ate the bread. We went to four different Italian restaurants and ate the bread on the table until they asked <laughs> us to leave. Yeah. Uh, I there were there were a lot of them. Uh-huh. I think I did like seven, and then someone made a joke at my expense, which was again fine. And then I'm getting to the point now where I'm just like, 
for better or worse, I was just like, I said out loud, everyone's laughing. I go, there was nothing wrong with any of those pitches. I was like, there's nothing wrong, but and one of them could have been it. But the reason that there really wasn't is because sometimes y- all you need to do is pitch the form of a joke, and then somebody else will come up with the I specifics. do that, too. Megan I Gans, do that all the time I'm, I'm so happy. First of all, I'm so happy that I wrote today, because I haven't written because I, I want to talk about this with you, so it's kind of serendipitous. I'll do that all the time. People, yeah. if you write for television, and a lot of people listening to this I know are going to be interested in writing for television, because you write for television. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that. But one of them is I go... Um, Sorry, I'm. Uh, oh God, what was it? It, it? You just pitched the form. I, I'll go. It's not this, yeah. but it's sorry I'm late. I was blank, 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 and that's why. Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. It was. It was like uh, there was another one where it was like, "Sorry, I'm late." Um, something weird, and it's same character. Something weird, and then it needs to reveal why she's weird. Uh-huh. So the original thing was like he asked me to change a tire, which I've never done before, and then she goes. Which is why she's late. And then she goes, now if he had asked me to kill a horse, check. Yeah. Okay? Great. So it's two parts. Uh-huh. That's the joke we're going. Yeah. And I remember going like, um, uh, he didn't know what pigeon giblets were. And I was like, it's not this, but this is just the form. And then I go, Does, hasn't he ever made soup? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's great. It, I, I, see, I like thought it was okay, too. Form. But I was like, just that form, soup, is yeah. pretty open. Giblets. Yes. He doesn't know what blank is. Hasn't he ever made Done blank? This. Yeah. Just fill it in. Yeah, yeah. What are we, against each but other? But also, sometimes you'll A lot pitch... of my points are assists. I'm going to say uh, that, that right now. No, but my... Uh, yes. I, I, you mean you're... You sl- I will... You I'll, throw up the, and... I'll throw up garbage and someone will dunk it. Or someone will throw up yes. garbage and I'll dunk that it. That happens a lot, though. Like, it one should of the, happen more. One of the, my favorite jokes I ever got on Community was like that where they were doing it. There was a scene where Jeff Jeff finds out that he has a locker and they're pulling all these old flyers out of his locker because it's been there for four years and he didn't know it. Yes. So they're going through all of these things and he pulls out this flyer and one of the auxiliary characters is Garrett, this like bigger guy. Eric Charles Nielsen plays. Uh-huh. Nelson plays. Anyway, I know him. So he's like a bigger guy, and he and Eric Charles <laughs> yes. Nielsen. Yes, and so so he, Jeff pulls out this form and or this flyer, and it says "Save Garrett." Mm-hmm. And um and he looks at Annie, goes, "What was wrong with Garrett?" And she says, "Nothing. We saved him." <laughs> that was so. That was the joke. And then, but then I like put the my my favorite part. I wouldn't have ever thought of this joke except that somebody gave me that assist. And then I said, "Then Jeff should look at Garrett, and he's over at the fountain, and he's trying to drink water, but getting it all over his face." And he goes, "That's saved Garrett." <laughs> okay, so that's the yes. joke of it. Yes. But you wouldn't have ever gotten there yes. if somebody else didn't do the beginning part I, of it. One of my least favorite things, something that I'd really look. It takes all different kinds. Mm-hmm. And as I've said on the show before, I'm big dumb animal. You hire me for a room, I'm a big dumb animal. Mm-hmm. Bull in a china shop. Yes, but sometimes... bull in a china shop. He's good for morale. <laughs> he keeps things silly. He'll repeat other people's jokes. He'll laugh at your jokes. Yeah. He didn't read the script beforehand. <laughs> he doesn't know the name of the show. He's a big dumb animal. That's good. But what I hate is that feeling when it gets dead silent, which is necessary sometimes. But everybody's like working on the math mm-hmm. and they're going, okay. Uh, save Garrett, something with that's Garrett, and we save like if we let people in on the process, and you just say the something, half thought yeah, the thing. half thought, yeah, because a lot of times what happens is the room will move on. There'll there'll be this panic that we generate ourselves, mm-hmm. and we go like, just put the fire. It can't out. be done. It can't be done. Whereas yeah. if two people or or the room actually comes together and writes it together, I think you can you can. I love I love pitches, and I do them a lot. It's not this, but. 
yeah. or, or bad house number people say or what's or, bad house number bad house number is a thing that i learned in community which basically means like this is this isn't the thing not not a real i say pitch. bad pitch yeah bad pitch i go the bad words version is yeah. and then you say it and then you fix it yeah and now there's something on the, the table. The bad pitch is he's right behind me, isn't he? Yes. Because I don't want, obviously, we don't want to do that. Right. But we want to do something that feels like that, right. but isn't that joke. You and know? there's something at, about people working together in a community. <laughs> I, I wasn't even making a joke. I was just going to say that. But, like, in a community, that, that the, the sum can be greater than the parts. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, unfortunately, a lot of rooms, especially rooms where people don't know each other too well yet, They'll just we'll we'll have the Harvard Egghead thing where we're just trying to think of the perfect thing, and I'm like knucklehead. Yeah, that's why. Just say it. Just say it. Hey, dummy, you're funny. That's why I asked you to be here. What's the stupid thing you're thinking? There were a bunch of times. One of the pitches I got in today was like uh, we were talking. One, they were like uh, going to this restaurant that doesn't give you lids; they just give you foil. And and he goes, uh, "It's an Indian restaurant," and he's Mm -hmm. like. uh, what is this, India? And he said it kind of like half-heartedly. He was kind of like, what is this, India? Yeah. He said it real quiet. Like, I'm not really saying that. Yeah, yeah. And then I go, uh, I've been to India and they have lids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is the joke version yeah. of what he said. Yeah. Now, he just did me the courtesy of letting Give me into you- his joke. Uh-huh. His joke is, India uh-huh. is yeah. a poor it's, – it's an understood to be a poorer place yeah. than America, yeah. for better or worse. I'm not here to be political. <laughs> so he's saying so, – and that makes but me somebody go – somebody has to go – in the Garden of Eden that we're in, somebody has to go tie a bunch of leaves together and make the shape of pants so that somebody else can go, oh, yeah, you've made the step between naked and clothing. Yes. I can go from that to Yeah, capri pants. pants. Yeah, to I pants, can go pants. linen. Yeah. And yeah. You've done the half but step But I didn't for even think there. of pants. But if, but if nobody says, hey, maybe we should use some of these leaves, everyone's just going, we're naked, we're naked, we're naked, we're naked, we're naked. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. We're never going to be clo- – we're, ne- we're never going to be – And then before the- you know it, you have a pair of pants made of fabric that they don't have in the garden. Yeah. And you're like, we've conjured pants. That's what it, that's what good improv is, and that's what good. I, and I've been is. trying to be more like that. I, I I got into a place in community where I I was really nervous to say because I didn't want to make a bad joke because. Well, that I, sounded like a goddamn nightmare, and I wouldn't have taken. That's the job I wouldn't have taken yeah, if they offered it. To yeah, me, from what it I was, heard, it was it was um it wasn't. It didn't. It, it was really good in a lot of ways, and that it it always challenged me. But um, I got into a place. I remember this is why I started going to therapy was because of that job. Because I got into a place where I was sitting, <laughs> literally sitting on the floor of my shower, going, "Right now, I'm translating." about 12 hours of my life every day into maybe a couple minutes of enjoyment for somebody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that trade-off isn't good enough for me anymore. It's like, not. I don't want to do this. I, I'm so unhappy during those 12 hours that I don't care if I make 6.2 million people happy for a minute. Right. It's not worth it to me for this time period that I'm in. But it also made me really fearful. It, like I wasn't just pitching things for the love of pitching them. I was only pitching things if I really thought that Somebody would like them. Well, that's see. I don't think community sounded like they liked big dumb animals. That's yeah. What I heard. You were very. You'd be very 
skilled and at think like about a, the perfect a sniper thing. attack. Exactly. Don't uh, open your mouth. Yeah. And not everybody's a sharpshooter. And and but that's what I'm and the uh, now that I'm working uh, for Modern Family and this is not a comment on the two shows whether or not you like them whether it's not a comment on which show is smarter or whatever. But I will say that now that I'm on th- in this room, this particular room, I the first thing that I had to learn was to stop editing yes. bad quote unquote what I was thinking were bad jokes out of my system because I will pitch things now that I would have never said out of loud before not. and that people will genuinely like and then I'll look at it a day later and go that's not a hacky like I was so convinced that was a hacky joke that's not a hacky joke it's just a it's just a joke that you kind of it's not even expected but there yes. is a thing about comedy where you don't want to hear something that's so left field you right. want to feel like right. you kind of it wants to hit you and you feel like yep that's the only thing that could have been said right there yes. you know that's the, exactly what I needed to hear at this but moment. But that's censoring that role that I understand a lot of shows are not just community but a lot of shows are where it's like don't open your mouth until mm-hmm. you have it. A lot of our brains work that way. That's another point in the book Impro which I haven't read in decades or decade but uh, so maybe I should stop quoting it until I reread <laughs> it and make sure it's still valid but he talks about how the thing that's in the way of the improviser is a brain that does that. Yeah. That goes, that's stupid, that's haggy, that's stupid, that's haggy. A lot of the responses to my tweets are, um, boo, uh, you're better than this. <laughs> it's not everyone. It's like for every five people. Yeah. I also get a lot of I shouldn't have laughed at that, but I did, which I like. And then every five positive ones, you'll get somebody that's like, boo. And mm-hmm. they're also joking. They're like being friendly about it, I suppose. Um, but I'm like, motherfucker. I'm in the business of green lights. Yeah, exactly. You understand? Yes. The yes. way to a good joke is paved with bad jokes. Yeah. And you, somebody, this one really stuck in my craw, even though I'm sure he didn't mean it, and I didn't take it against the person personally or anything, but he was like, how do you get work? Because I tweeted something like that, and I was like, Ugh. by tweeting stuff like yeah. that. Cocksucker. Do you understand? You can stay in your dark corner and censor yourself and wait until you have the one gem of the week. Or you could be me, like Neo in the fucking helicopter and mow the entire floor of agents down so Morpheus can jump onto the plane. And honestly, I'm always (laughs) trying to I'm always trying to get back to the way that I was in my first job. Uh, at the Onion, because every Monday we had to come in with 25 headlines, Whoa. and you just had to get to a point where you went, "Fuck it, bad idea." Yes. I'm just going to write it down because it'll clear space in my brain for a better yes. idea. And if I and, I, and when I first started, I was like, "I'm not going to write anything down unless it's the best idea I ever had," and it would be torture. Yes. And then now I'll find that I, I write scripts, and sometimes the line that I put in very last, just because I'll be like, "Oh, and I just need something here because I need to send this in, and I'm on deadline." And blah. those will be what everyone loves in my script. Yeah. Those things that I sh- shoved you into need the last to minute. Honor the idea that sometimes you're. Bad ideas are the good ideas, and that you can't tell. You can't, you can't always can't tell. tell the difference, and you that's can't what tell. that is. What the room is supposed to be like. It should be a safe place for me to say a hacky joke, yes. and not have you take that and go up. Oh, that means you're a hack forever. Or how did you get work? How do you get work? Well, that's the Brian Posehn Mister to... Show story. But, but I've told this on the show before. But Bob Odenkirk, Brian Posehn had some terrible pitch, mm-hmm. and like he would tell you, it was a terrible pitch. We'll have him on the show. I'll tell the story himself. But it was the idea that he pitched something, and Bob Odenkirk was like, no. You're a funny guy. What did you mean by that? And they fleshed it out and they bounced it around. It was their most popular sketch. It's a great story. It's a little story. Oh, really? But I mean, like, that's what it yeah. should be. That's what a room should be. Yeah. 
I, it should, it should, uh, that's what life should be. Like, I, as long as you are a person who I know genu- generally tends towards good ideas, good assumptions, funny observations, yes. you can say something really hacky to me and I'll be like, okay, but where, right. where, where I know you aren't attracted to things like this. Right. So where is your in? And then if I investigate where your in is, maybe yes. it's just about changing the nouns in that particular joke. It's to make so it... funny that you say that. I pitched a joke today where I realized I was peaching the C, <laughs> the C part of the joke. And I forgot to say mm-hmm. the A and the B. Yeah. And then I was like, oops. Uh, and then <laughs> I said it. I and then everyone laughed. And yeah. I was like, oh, I have to walk you through everything. <laughs> uh, but like sometimes you just need to. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm sorry to give myself a comment here. I did to myself what I would like other people to do to me, which is like, no, what What did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Let's get that out of a chair. Yeah. Let's help it out. Let's explain how we got to this point. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, so that's what I'm trying to do now is get back to a place where I can just say things. Yeah. Cause you were an abusive relationship. Yes, <laughs> I was a little, I mean, it was, it was like, it, the weirdest thing is it was the most creatively fulfilling in a lot of ways. It was my favorite show. It was, I felt like I did some of the best writing I've ever done on mm-hmm. that show, mm-hmm. but it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't a thing that I could keep doing forever. I would have burnt, I would have burnt myself out in, in another year of going like that. I would, I might've left comedy hmm. doing comedy period because I the the bottom I was scraping a bottom of a barrel and then I had gone through the bottom of the barrel and I was digging a hole underneath the barrel hmm. and it's you can only go so far down before you're like I'm oh, not even there's no barrel there's no barrel any the barrel has ceased to be right. there's now I'm digging into something that I need that's like earth yeah. underneath my feet that like I shouldn't be giving up to do comedy right. like as much as I love comedy and as much as it is all of my being it can't I can't love it so much that I'm willing to give it this stuff this is the stuff right. that i need for right, other right. parts of my life like loving friends well you and start people. juicing your loving friends and then giving the juice to dan Harmon. yeah exactly <laughs> being like here you go yeah oh god <clears throat> well i'm glad you i'm glad you're in a better place now yeah it's it's great and you know what and I, i'm glad you had the experience that you it's also nice to do love. and maybe you fi- find this too it's nice for me to move from room to room um, if only because it let it gives me the confidence of um, pattern in the sense that like I can it, when I in my worst days when I'm feeling not confident at all I can say well maybe my last job was a fluke and I didn't really deserve it and people were just being nice to me and I only got things up you know you can talk you can sure. run you can tell yourself that but if it happens if you leave that job and you get hired to another good one yeah. you're like ooh maybe this is a thing maybe it's always with me maybe I can take it well, from room to room to room that's what I was saying with the first pitch you get one you're kind of like I'm on the board yeah, two doing, it's yeah. not a fluke I'm not the worst one here okay yeah. doing okay I yeah. know isn't that but, funny? But, it, but it helps in general to be, to be I, that's why I like doing punch up rooms and I haven't done it that much but it is nice to be thrown into a group of people that you don't know yeah. and you know that they have no allegiance to you and you have no allegiance to them so if they take a joke of yours you're like okay there's some objectivity in this room yes. it's, comedy is very subjective but we've created a false objective space in the sense that you don't owe me any favors I certainly don't owe you any favors so if you take this joke from me and you put it in your script it's not because you like me and because you're going to have to see me tomorrow. Right, right. It's because you think this joke is funny. Right. And so I feel an objective, like I get to accept that carrot and go put that yeah. in my bank and go, yeah. nobody's going to take that away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to be with you forever. It's a Daniel Day-Lewis shoe. It, it is, is a shoe. <laughs> it's closer to a real thing. 
It does, and it and it does always feel a little bit slippery. What we do, it's always you Ethereal. know. Ethereal. I I don't I don't believe that thing of you're only as good as your last joke, but I do believe Ugh, that like. Who said that? People people say that all the time, Terrifying. right? Like, but I do believe that one percent of doubt is a poison that can pollute the whole well. You know, you have yeah. like one little thing that somebody tells you maybe you're not that good, mm -hmm. and then you can have a thousand. I could have gotten a thousand jokes in a script, and if one little thing happens, it pollutes that whole well for a little mm -hmm, little while, mm -hmm. and it, it's a little bit harder for me to get back on top of it. But moving from thing to thing like that, it creates a false objective. Like, these are permanent things. This is a permanent talent that you have, because right. it can be moved from space to space. It's not a variable. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing in a performer's life, is when you go, uh, it's not a fluke. And you need, yeah. about, you need about a million people to tell you it's not a fluke yeah. before you start to believe it's exactly. not a fluke. Exactly. You need to have so many different different types of audiences and right. have something work and be and like it's not a flip. it's not it's not this is a thing that happens right. always right, it will right. always be happening yeah so you're a advertising guy he's creative mm -hmm. two months we'll see he, i was just talking to, <laughs> i was just after this podcast we'll see i don't by the way i don't mean we'll see we'll see how he is i mean we'll see how i am sure. i haven't been in a relationship for a long time we'll see how i react to it i might yes. i don't know i'm yeah, a little bit nervous about that I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and he was talking about a girl that he was seeing and he was like, and, uh, you know, and now uh, I, I remember it was very new and I was like, are you seeing other people? And he was like, I'm not and I'm not going to because I like her. And I was like, does she know that? And then he was like, no. Yeah. And I was like, I've been there where I'm like, That's where I've we become are right like now. loyal to the person. And do I tell them that I've yeah. been loyal to them? Are they? Are, will they be creeped out? That I've yeah. Been loyal to and them? I, or is it just assumed that I would? And like, I, but I'm in the place because of my bad history of dating in LA, where I will not be the first person to make that step. I will, like for instance, we met because of Match. I was on Match.com, and I have a profile up on there. I hate having a profile up on there right now because I'm not using it and because I've gotten a couple emails that are like I think that I might know that you worked on Community which weirds me out because the whole thing about that is you're supposed to be like a little bit anonymous why I mean, does it just say Megan no it says it says uh, I have like a screen name so it doesn't even say my name at all but it has pictures of me mm -hmm. and people and and I wrote that I work in comedy. I didn't even say like in television or anything like that. But people have seen my picture, I guess, on there and said, I think Maybe that they I'm got those Google glasses. Something. But the, I've got so I hate it because it's exactly what I didn't want to happen from going on this thing. So I want nothing more than to pull my profile down, but I will not do it first before this guy does because it's LA has taught me nothing if not that the moment that you go I might kind of like you the guy goes whoa babe really yes that's my entire experience whoa, 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 whoa. Babe. I don't know about this whole that's been my from day one landing check, in LA please. that's Bad been pitch my check please check please <laughs> well that went well ah, another one by the way I love and genuinely laugh at he's right behind me you isn't know, it? I know but you know you and I had a conversation once about um, how you were gonna start compiling the jokes, that the lame makes. jokes that everyone makes to each other, and yeah. I think about that. Can I tell you? I think about that maybe every couple months because I I love that too. I love the joke. I love jokes that are accessible to all people. Yes. Like you, you said the once the uh, when people are scanning must groceries be must be free, or like scan. the the elevator jokes that people make. Oh, yeah. this is the local. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love those jokes. You say I, to a guy, a janitor, you go, "How's business picking up?" 
That's one of my, I got a lot of them I got my, my hairs cut yeah. today. Things like yeah. that, that everybody... Did you get a haircut? My dad would say, I got them all cut. I got them all cut, yeah. I got them all cut. Must People... be free. You see a limo, my ride is here. Uh-huh. Uh, pizza or flowers, you say, is that for me? Yeah. Or any gift, is that uh-huh. for me? What's yeah. wrong? You know, I've kind of turned or like a corner. like people will see somebody walking a big dog and be like, are you walking him or who's the other way around? Who? Yeah, who's who's walking? walking who? Hey, who's walking who? I. Why is it that we love those jokes so much? Uh, you hear a fire engine on Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I believe more than one person would say someone's burning the turkey. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's not... You know, I, I, I kind of get a little bit deep, a little bit too specific. Uh, I, I love them, too. I used to be kind of anti them. And now I'm a little bit more po- on my presents. I have a routine where I make fun of those. Oh, really? About how when an iPod malfunctions, people go, it's the remix. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's like yeah. there's a little bit of an offense to it that the joke became so popular. Tell me what you really think is a big one. Uh-huh. Step into my office. Yeah. If you're a mechanic yeah. and you're like... You're by the engine. Step into my office. You don't have yeah. an office. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, any, it's all status stuff. It's all basic stuff. But there's nothing wrong with it. I, now I kind of like them. When people do them, I, I'm okay but with it, them. You know, it's why is it? It's like the it's like the white bread, the wonder bread of jokes. It yeah. has there's no sustenance to it right, whatsoever. Right, right. And it offends us because you're kind of like you're da- you're on the first floor of our building, and, yeah. and you're just kind of moths. But we have sweaters. to walk past you. Like yeah, we, we have to walk past you to get to the next floor. <laughs> we too. Like I run through all of the. Like I feel like there's a part of my brain that I'm not conscious of anymore that. Every time I try to think of a joke, I go past all of these other jokes, yeah. and I don't even—I'm not even aware I'm going past oh, them. Oh, sure, but sure, they're, sure. they're just like white noise you know to me weird? because I—I—I only hear certain types of jokes anymore in right. my brain. Right, 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 right. They yeah. don't register. They, they don't, don't register. They don't ding the bell anymore. Yeah. Your bell is a little bit dull—not duller, but the opposite. Yeah, it's weird watching the Simpsons. I'm rewatching the Simpsons. Basically, uh, I'm on season eight. I'm going out of order. Oh, really? And it's so weird how much of our humor we get from that yeah. show. It's unbelievable. The creepy thing is when I watch them and I realize that I have them memorized, parts of them memorized that I don't Did, even remember. I don't remember memorizing Memorizing them. them. And I don't even remember that episode. No. But I'll get to a point, I'll, I'll watch the episode, have I ever watched this one before? And then I'll get to an exchange and realize that I know it word for word somewhere yeah. deep in my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It taught, like the character of Homer taught us so much. It's just, cla- it's Chaplin. It's like high status, mm-hmm. low, it's high status idiot. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin was a hobo, the tramp. Yeah. But he was high status. He kept everything was going his way. He couldn't be knocked over. He couldn't die. So Homer is this idiot who has a beautiful house, beautiful wife, and yet, good family. And when his... he sees on his computer, press the any key. Where's the any key? Yeah. But it's like those Oh, I could jokes. use a tab. <laughs> to me, The Simpsons is a joke so clearly, I, I could be wrong, but written from a place of people like, yes, and, and getting into, like, yeah. I could use a tab is, is kind of a stupid joke. Yeah. But like when you have a character like Homer, you can kind of play in that but world. But those... Those dumb, pointless jokes like that are some of my favorites. Of course. Like those secular ones. My, my favorite things to put into <laughs> scripts are circular jokes, dialogue runs that have no point and move nothing yeah, forward. Me but too. just like in my. All my, my writer's drafts are. Filled are filled with stuff like that that people just rip out. Yeah, my my first that I think that's what got me like um, 
that why I worked well with community was because my first episode that I wrote was a bottle episode. And so people never left the room and it was all just dialogue runs. There was nobody moving anything forward. Nobody was going to any other scenes. There were no blows to scenes. It was just endless dialogue runs. So you could do these weird little circles. Like there's one of my favorite Simpsons jokes was the, uh, the comic book guy, I don't even remember what the context was, but he pulls out this machine that's a sarcasm meter. Yeah. And, uh, or no, the, the scientist pulls out this, the, it's a sarcasm meter. The comic book guy is there. He says, oh, sarcasm meter, what a useful invention. The thing explodes. And then they just go back to what, they just go back to what they're doing. There was no point. They invented of that thing not. just for that gag. And then it went not. away yeah. and then they moved on with the show. But that, those little tangents <laughs> are my favorite. It's my favorite. Can I tell you one that, that there's been a lot of things that have been killing me. Can I tell you one yeah, that killed sure. me? It's, uh. Lisa likes Nelson. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lisa gives Milhouse a note to give Nelson in class because uh-huh. they're in the same class. And uh, Milhouse likes Lisa. This is unimportant, but I remember in her monologue, Milhouse is like, uh, when she sees you'll do anything for her, she'll like you. Yeah. Right? That's not even it. So then it gets to the next scene. Milhouse passes the note up five rows, five yeah, Rose to Nelson. Mm-hmm. And Nelson opens the note and it says, Guess who has a crush on you? <laughs> <laughs> Nelson and like, turns okay. around and Milhouse is leaning on his desk and his huge blue eyebrow- eyebrows just go up and down suggestively because <laughs> he doesn't know what the note says. <laughs> He's just like, ah, smash cut to Milhouse on a gurney. Being rolled yeah. into an ambulance, and but, I died. And Lisa goes, "I'm Milhouse. I'm so sorry." And the uh, attendant goes, "He can't hear you. His ears are full of gods." <laughs> <laughs> but the the timing of the smash cut is the perfect. Ne- the needless setup of she could have wrote, written, "Yes, I, I Lisa have a crush on you, But the needless setup, that's the one thing that I never understand when I'm working for a showrunner, and I and I totally get where they're coming from, but I just don't have this in my body. Where sometimes <laughs> I'll get the note of, but why would somebody say that? Like for instance, right. just to give you for instance, we did. I love jokes that are like. Um, Two things are presented, and then the person clearly picks the wrong one that they start talking about. So, so I was writing this one for <clears throat> for a Modern Family episode, and uh, there was a storyline where uh, Gloria has a thing about how she has a warrant out for her arrest because, like, she had a thing with her. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can. Yeah, uh, I have a warrant. <laughs> no one tweet about this, <laughs> but it, but it was like she had a That's she had a warrant. Yeah. Tweet about it. She had, there's a warrant out for her because she lived with her, her name was on the lease of an apartment that turned into a brothel. Right? She was she moved away from this apartment. She left her name on the lease. Her roommate turned into a brothel. So she has like some second degree misdemeanor, and she's in this in- interview with Jay. And this is the way I wrote out the scene. This is not the joke that's in there, so I'm not spoiling it. But but I wrote out the scene, and it was like, uh, she goes, he's like, I told you not to do that. That was a bad idea to leave your name on the lease. And she says, um, I know, but um, I know, but Amila was my friend, and the apartment was rent-controlled. And then Jay says, well, just because something's cheap doesn't mean you need to keep it around. And she goes, I know, but she was so fun at parties. Okay, now, that, like, and quite rightly, my boss said, why would he set her up like that? Why would he say just because something's cheap doesn't mean, why would he say phrase it specifically right. like that so that it works both Completely ways? Completely And up. to me, I'm, who cares? <laughs> because you get, 
it's a vaudeville routine. Right. I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of people that don't. Why wouldn't like... the other guy just go like, "Excuse me, hold on one second. I keep saying who is on first. You understand? Yes. I'm saying who is yes. on first. And yeah, when yeah. you say yes, that that's the confusing name to is me. Actually, spelled W H O. That's yeah. his name. His name is who? I'm over here having an aneurysm. Eddie Pepitone is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I have an endless like delight love of for delight things. of yeah, jo- yeah, I sure, don't sure, care sure, like sure. I needless loops like little skin tag jokes that don't have any purpose other than yeah. to stick out yeah, and just yeah, be, yeah. I don't care those things will always be amusing to me uh I realize there, there's something that I can't never I never can't pitch it mm-hmm. yep that's right I never can't pitch it which is a bad pitch <laughs> so they're like we need something. The guy comes in and he's like, uh, the birthday cake is ruined. And then we need something funny. And the guy goes like, uh, whoops-a-doodle. And then moonwalks out of the room. I find moonwalking out of the room to be the we, ultimate expression of a bad... And like going through glass without breaking did. his stride. Like, whoa. We did. We exited Chevy from a scene once in Community <laughs> by him going zip, zap, zooey. And then moonwalking. Ah, no. That's I swear Great. to God, and it, it was endlessly delighting to us because we were like, we were in this point where we're like, what do we do with this guy? Yeah. And then he made a bad joke. It was like we were writing the scene, and you're like, that joke we just made was so bad that the only way to get out of it would be moonwalking backwards and sort of making, and we were just like, let's just have him do that. that and then, so he does that. That reminds me of, I forget what show it was. This is like writer lore at this point. But somebody wrote a draft, and it was late, and they didn't have a blow, and they just had the character say something, something, something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Meaning, like, they'll think of it yeah. later. And it got to the table read. So uh, this couple has a fight. The girl leaves and the guy's alone. And then he just goes, something, something, something. And it, like, destroyed and really? made it to the show. <laughs> Him just saying something, something, something. Have you? Do you know what, uh, who, who Jackie is? I've heard that story. I, I said who Jackie recently in a writer's room. And yeah. people didn't know what it was. I've heard that story about Roseanne. <laughs> Roseanne used to hire her friends. Yeah. Who didn't really necessarily have any experience <laughs> to write on the show. And one of them had been there weeks and weeks and weeks. And of course, Jackie is one of the main characters yeah. of the show. And just out of nowhere, they're talking and they're pitching. And they're like, what if Jackie is this and this and this? I don't know if Jackie would do that. And then Roseanne's friend just goes, who Jackie? Yeah. <laughs> Who Jackie? That and Belvedereing. These are both. Both of these things have been referenced on Thirty Rock. Yeah. Tina Fey one time said on the phone, "Who Jackie?" Oh, really? And then she also said, That's "So inside it's baseball." So inside. Well, I'm trying to help get the word out. The other thing was they said the, the time Lutz Belvedered himself. Do you know what Belvedereing is? I don't is? think I know that. Mr. Belvedere, the actor, goes to a table read, and he's a portly gentleman. Uh-huh. In fact, if the Pictionary clue is portly, you'd draw him. Yeah. <laughs> he sits down quickly, and his nuts are tucked. So he sat on his own nuts, sitting down for the table read. Yeah. So everyone's there, squeals. Like, you know, you do if a big uh-huh. fat man sits on his own nuts, gets up and leaves, and now that's known as Belvedereing. See, I thought that it was... <laughs> the, the, ones that are, the ones that I like are ones that are tied... In, that now people use um, as... Like, I, I'm learning this one from Modern Family, that there's some term that came from the Newhart show called, like, Nakamura or something that's like a joke. It's it's a term used for a joke that <clears throat> is a run in an episode where you keep going back to the same well and that um, 
it came from a the, the but that goes poorly so that every time you say the joke again it's like it wasn't funny the first time it's not getting any funnier because apparently it comes out of a there was a show that had you know was shooting in front of a live audience and they had this joke that had the word like Nakamura I don't know exactly what the name was but it and and they thought that was going to be a punchline and so they say it once and it gets nothing and then you have a bunch of actors going oh my god that's in the script like 10 more times and it got nothing on the first one so they'll use that as a term like oh I like this run but it has a danger of being a Nakamura yeah I know maybe that but I do love terms like the lore that gets used now to be oh that that's the sort of thing that you're talking about like they do this thing um, there because some of them worked on um, cheers and um, my one of my bosses wrote for Golden Girls mm-hmm. and so the, whenever they do a joke that's in the form of like uh, you know I went out for this job interview today and I and I you know and I, 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 I wore this weird hat and I went out for a job interview well did you get the job yeah I'm the CEO of the company mom and then you keep like going at so but right. so they will always say when somebody pitches a joke like that they'll always go oh, I'm the CEO of the company Rose because that was always like Rose was always the one that would ask the question that you're like, right. and you would answer her sarcastically because of course right. you're not the thing that she would. Uh, so, but CEO. they will, yeah. they will, they will put that name in and then make you realize like, oh, I'm doing a joke that they've been making this form since the Golden Girls. There's a particular type of shame that's like, oh yeah, Ooh, it's an you, honor. you weren't you're even born time. when we were st- making those jokes. Before. It is funny to look around a room and be there's something so intangible about. Television television writing and looking at a room full of misfits Mm -hmm. just weirdos and you know normalized weirdos but they're all weirdos still and being like this is a group of like this is a parasite that you put on a certain type of bacteria and in 72 hours you'll have a pilot script (laughs) you know what I mean like it's just like weird looking at them and it's kind of it's fun it's fun working with them we've got a long time which is fine I just feel like we should bring it into uh, the final topics (laughs) <laughs> you were going to talk about my dad. Was yeah, that, we were. We gonna, didn't yeah, really, we, we we didn't. We got around. We got issues. your dad, and then I feel like we're not going to do. What are too the much final topics? I know I'm supposed to say something about it being crispy. <laughs> no, that's the final phrase. <laughs> something, 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 crispy. Something, something crispy. I don't know. Something, something crispy. Uh, well, let's do your dad, and then we'll do the light one, and then and dad might have a little bit to do with relationships too. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about comedy, and I and then we touched on God, and we should wrap God up. Uh, <laughs> we should wrap God up, and then and then we'll play one game, and then we'll be done. Oh, great. Okay. So the first thing is your dad, but then there'll be palate cleansers if it makes you. All sad. right, good. It will, I'll, I'm fine talking about it. <laughs> well, if it makes me sad, there'll be palate what cleansers. What makes me sad is when I talk about it with people, and they go, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry," and I feel like I ruined their day yeah. by mentioning Their it. Their ice cream just melts. Yeah. It's like, hey. because they'll they'll have stumbled into it unknowingly where they'll be like, oh, what's your dad do? Right. And it's like, oh, sweetie. Yeah. I feel like I should comfort them. Like, I want to touch Have you ever their lied forearm. and been like, he's a carpenter? <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever lied. I think I've, I, I think I've gotten around because I, qu- I don't because I like I feel like I should t- what's touch- your dad do oh I don't want a Mountain Dew <laughs> <laughs> I'm good thanks
jokes. <laughs> the not hearing joke is definitely a trope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not the same thing, but at one time I ran to somebody and was like, what's your wife up to? And I was like, she's great. <laughs> like, I, just, I just didn't yeah. want to bother. Yeah. She's yeah, great. We don't need to get into yeah. this. Who yeah. cares? I do that with... If, Sometimes if I meet somebody and I know that I don't want to keep talking to them and they ask me what I do, I'll be like, oh, I, I write like freelance. Oh, like, yeah. I'll say like a lower version because sure. I don't want to get When I rent a car, they go, why are you in town? I always say to see friends. Oh, good. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't the, uh, I'm just going to cut I'm a comedian. Company. I'm a comedian. See? Draw, draw you into yeah. my life story. Yeah. What's yeah. it like working here? Enterprise. Okay. Is it, where's Han Solo? Doing riffs. Tell me about your funny uncles and yeah. how I can fit them into my stories. <laughs> Wait. Enterprise is Jean-Luc Picard, not Han Solo. <laughs> Sorry. Jean-Luc Picard. Okay. So anyway, your dad, <clears throat> you're eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he... <laughs> How'd he die? He, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to carry up that way. And epilepsy. Is that right? Yeah, well, he had oh. epilepsy. And, and now I'm saying this with a smile on my face because I'm laughing <laughs> I'm at your sorry. bit. No, it's fine. Uh, he had epilepsy. He had seizures uh, somewhat regularly, which I didn't know at the time because this is another thing about raising kids that terrifies me. So I was too young to know what that was, seizures. Yes. So my mom would say... He, he, oh, your dad's just, when he would have seizures, oh, he's just been in the sun a little too long. She would try to tell me something else, which made me terrified of, of the, the sun, sun yeah. for a lot of years. But it's like, mm. what are you going to say to a kid? Like, oh, he has this disease that's possibly hereditary, although you probably don't have it, but we don't really know yet. But it causes his brain to misfire and all of his muscles seize up at once so that he can't talk. And he, and I, like, he, it, 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 and it makes you exhausted after it happens because yes. it fires all like your so things like terrible thing that he would take medication for all the time and then he was hated taking medication for and why he, because it's like he was a very independent person and now he has he was also an orthodontist and so he was working with his hands and he didn't like the idea that in order to be able to work with his hands constantly he had to take this medication that probably didn't make him feel very good mm. I didn't speak to him about it because I was too young at the time but from talking to my mom about it afterwards she told me that he didn't like taking the medication because he didn't like the way that it affected him although if you don't take it you feel good but then you it's like it's like with bipolar it's mm-hmm. like you might feel good for a while but it opens you up to the possibility of feeling really bad without you knowing it and not having the time to react and being in the so he was kind of good about taking his medication he really maybe shouldn't have been driving because he could never be a hundred percent sure he wasn't going to have a seizure at any given moment although he would moderate he would like keep it to a certain he had some control over it but he didn't want to let it dominate his whole life so he would drive to work every morning morning instead of have my mom drive him for instance and uh he was coming home from work one day and had a seizure and crashed into a telephone pole and died it's so crazy when you were saying driving i was like i don't want him driving yeah yeah but it's also like do you want to be a 30 like he was 30 you know 6 37 years old and he was gonna have his wife drive him everywhere he goes for the rest of his life hey i get it i mean it's weird and in my later life because obviously when it happened i didn't have the tools to deal with any of it so i just sort of went oh i'm probably gonna deal with this when i'm 15 which Uh, i did yeah you know it comes to you latent but now i'm dealing with the thing of understanding and being like i'm not sure that i wouldn't have done the exact same thing if i had a debilitating disease that i had you think you would have gotten a ride no i i might have driven myself because like i might have not been willing to give up my independence we're talking about indulgence and room service and all that sort of stuff seems like 
it's a human need. I can sit here and armchair quarterback this and be like, yeah. your dad should, you know, get a ride. Because, God, thank God, nobody else was injured in that accident. Well, I, that, that did cross my mind. Yeah. No, it did, and it, it crossed my mind all the time that after it happened, it's like, that could have been That crosses your mind, and then you awful. think about my good book idea. And, <laughs> and then I think about a month. And that's the cycle. <laughs> that's the cycle my whole life goes through. <laughs> I'm glad that I can be the partner, because it, it's, a, it's a lighter <clears throat> topic. So is this, because you, look... Let's be obvious. Uh-huh. This is obvious. We're about to be obvious. Okay. You are a, a you're an attractive, well-adjusted person, and you're. In That's comedy. obvious to you. I'm yeah, glad. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This here's the obvious part: that you are in comedy. Mm-hmm. To quote Thirty Rock, you do, you didn't have to wear a corrective boot as a child <laughs> or something like that. But your dad did pass away. Uh-huh. Did this introduce a little bit of reality that you know? ferments and turns into sarcasm and turns into wit. Yeah, I think it introduced a a form of absurdism in the sense of... Yeah, what's more absurd than that? What's more absurd than that happening? And it also... He's got that sun disease. I I remember having thoughts when I was young about how absurd the situation that I was in was. Like, for instance, because we're Catholic, we're a Catholic family, we not only had an open casket funeral for him, which is horrifying, especially if you've been in a car accident that's fucked your face up so that they have to put piles of makeup to cover all of the and then you make you parade a child past the coffin because you're like this will help her deal looking at her dad dead in a box with a bunch of makeup on his face with clear like covering gashes in his head that'll help her put this I just to wanted bed. to make a horrible joke which is ah no, just they, as I remembered just him as with I remember three him. inches of concealer yeah, exactly just as I just as I want to picture him for the rest of my life yeah which is why I have such a distaste for open casket funeral now, not that anybody loves them and wants to go to them every right, Friday right. night. No, I get but it. I recently, my my uncle passed away recently, and I and I without I had a really bad reaction because he had an open casket funeral as well, and I had a really bad reaction to it. And in my bad reaction, <clears throat> I said to my mom, which I shouldn't have said, I said. I don't like this. I don't like the last vision that I have of somebody being this person because that's not who they were yeah, my whole life. I and yet it sticks, it sticks in my brain yes. more than all those other times. And I don't like having that. That doesn't help me heal to have that final image. And I said, and I hate the fact, I said this to my mother, which just makes me feel terrible. I said, I hate the fact that I have the vision of my dad in his coffin in my head. Mm. I can never get rid of it. And all that I that is one thing in my life that if somebody had just closed the casket yes. before I walked up to it, I wouldn't have had that in my head ever. Yeah, and now yeah. I can never get it out. And they're thinking that you're like a grown person. As a grown person, I think there is I, I lost somebody in my family recently and uh, there is that there he is. You know what I mean? Because we have that conspiracy brain mm-hmm. where we're like, maybe he's <laughs> still <laughs> maybe he's Drinking in London. It's an American psycho reference. But the weird thing about the open casket, I will say, is it'd be one thing if I looked in and saw my dad with his face bloodied and gashed up. They put him in a suit and made him look like he was going to a job interview. Yeah. They put makeup on him to try to make him look. They put rouge on his cheek What's worse to make is, it look like blood is still coursing through his veins. Yeah. And it's clearly not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the messed up part sure. of it. That's the part I don't Suits get. Suits opened up the back, too. I just found that out. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they cut it. Oh, That's because how they that get makes it sense. On you. That makes sense. And... I'm hesitant to say this too, but like they'll do stuff to your body. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was like bigger, sometimes they'll be smaller yeah. when you see them. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, 
I can't quite put my finger on it. Something's a little bit But off. he's standing right behind me, isn't he? Yeah, he's he? standing right behind me. So, Dad, sorry. I know. Well, I don't... but I was going to say about the absurdist. So, <laughs> Dad, so we're... sorry. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> nice... such a stupid he... moment. That's the nicest thing anybody's Megan, ever said. Uh, so, Dad, sorry. <laughs> no, but the absurdist thing, the part where comedy comes in, is I'm eight years old. I'm, I'm at this... Because w- we also did two days of wakes before the funeral. So I had to be in a room with his dead body in a casket while we're greeting a line of my cousins and things yeah. that are coming up to pay their condolences before the funeral even happens. Yep. So we just Let's have to... Like an out. open house. Yeah. And just like, here's his dead body. Come and tell us how sorry you are. Yeah. And one of my cousins came up to me and said, I'm really sorry for what happened. I had a hamster that died recently. And, and in my brain, I laugh I found the comedy in that yeah. at eight years old of oh that's absurd that you're you're comparing your hamster's death and you got to see the performance of a kid who didn't think that was absurd yes yeah. because they really feel like these two things are the same right yes. and yet I and a lot of comedy is you know pulling back that curtain and standing apart from something and going isn't it funny how these things right. do, how we just accept that these things are the way that they right, are right, 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 and right. they shouldn't be we shouldn't just accept it we just like nobody's ever noticed that you drive on a parkway and park on a driveway or whatever right, like right, those right, sorts sure. of things uh, but I in that moment I got to be that person that was going oh my god I know something you don't know right. which is that if your parents die it'll feel like your soul has been ripped out of your body right. whereas you think you lose your hamster you think you right, know what that right, feels right, right, like right. but I know what it feels like so this is hilarious right, to me right, right, right. and that was the beginning of and in a weird way, also, my dad was the first person that showed me any comedy. He, like, got me Mad Magazine when I was way too young to be reading it. He showed me my first Marx Brothers movies, which I became obsessed with. He was always, he showed me Letterman. He was, like, the one that always really was into comedy and showed me comedy all the time. Hmm. And probably would have been the mo- most proud, not that my mom isn't proud, but would have not only been proud, but would have gotten what I was doing yes. and been able to tell, like, oh, that thing is funnier than that thing that you're working on. That's sort of whereas my mom's just like, I'm happy you have health insurance, yeah. which I love. Right, She's supportive. Right. She's never said, don't do the thing that you love. Yes. But he would have really gotten would have gotten it. a kick out of it. And so, again, re- being able to recognize the irony of that from a young age, being able to perceive irony. I felt like I got a jump start on that. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was 15 and all my friends started being like, oh, irony, I was like, oh, way ahead of you guys. Right, right, right. I've been doing this for years. These teachers telling us to get jobs they don't like the jobs they got (laughs) my dad died also also (laughs) your when your parents die they go away forever and you don't have them anymore right Right. that even though that's not fair that you got a crash course yeah Yeah. i didn't mean that as a joke crash course. no i really didn't if i meant (laughs) it as a joke it would have been funnier but those jokes like i used to make these really morbid weird jokes where people would say i remember there was a short time when i was like maybe 11 or 12 where i thought it would be really fun i thought it was super funny when people would say oh my god your dad died i'm so sorry that i would say oh did you kill him yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I understand that impulse. But it's not. That's and nobody sim- that's finds similar, it funny. That's the same jo- it's in the same family of jokes as, oh, did we run out of things to say? Yeah, yeah. Because it's people the, are so awkward. It's the, can we both n- agree with what we're doing? Can we both ex- like acknowledge to each right, other that right. this is a weird thing? Right, 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 right. You the, gotta be, it's, a, it's again, walking the girl back to my place. It's another moment where it's a little bit like you're going, oh, did you kill him? Yeah. And the only move is to hit the ball back. Yeah. And go like, 
I didn't want to tell you, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the only move. I, I know. Think. That's the only thing. Like, I, I, but I mean, just knowing, I think that's, if it had anything to do with my comedy, it was being aware of the absurdity of like, uh, he, so he had a garden in the back of our house and he grew all these hot peppers. That was mm-hmm. like, he was really into that stuff. Um, it, gardening in general, but he grew all these like different varieties of hot peppers and nobody else in the family liked spicy I just things. To go gay. Gay. <laughs> Just we talking do, about do. your dad who passed, and he's like, he was really into gardening. Gay. gay. Just as a Kippers. joke. Yeah. Oh, he grew peppers? Gay. Long ones. It's real gay. Um, but he, but so we had all these peppers, and then so like maybe three weeks after <laughs> Sorry, he but died. Peppers is the most effeminate thing to grow. Peppers. I got some peppers. And little skinny, long, hot ones. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, little red ones with like a weird little tip. But, uh, but three weeks after he died, my mom went through his, these pepper, and they were all like, they had all these peppers like hanging on them so she went and she pulled them all off like harvested these peppers and then she gave my it's sister and I hard to harvest peppers in grief <laughs> you're kind of having a good you, time she picked a peck of pickled peppers in, in yes you can't pick a, pe- a pickled pepper you pick a peck of peppers and then you pickle them you them. There's no pickled peppers on the on the but vine. She get, so she gives us this basket, my sister and I, and I'm eight, my sister's ten, and we proceed to go around to all the neighbors' houses and offer them grief these, peppers. These peppers. Would you like dead man's peppers? <laughs> yes, that's what happened. And the, oh no, and the and the funniest thing was. The funniest thing about it was not how weird that is to be offering people the peppers of a dead man. Mm. It's that it's that because we were at our neighbor's house, because we show up on their doorstep, it's like, you know how when somebody dies, you can make a sympathy call to their house where you come over and you bring a casserole? It was yes. like we were Did going... We were doing the opposite. We were going from house to house. With a food no one likes. With a food that nobody wants. And they're like, and oh! forcing them, because of them seeing us, to go... Oh, I heard about your father. I'm so sorry. Like yes. to interrupt their day of watching TV yes. to like force them to say sympathetic yes. things to us, and then we'd be like, uh, and they'd be like, "Yes, we'd love some peppers." It's a and funny scene in the movie where they have to inside. eat the pepper in front of you, and it's so spicy. But they're like, "Oh, oh he was great. he what was good, good at peppers." He just tears and snot tear. streaming down your face. Liking it. Oh, thank you for this gift. Oh. But, I, but I knew at the time, oh, this is absurd. What I, yes. I mean, like, as I'm doing it, I'm holding the basket going, this is ridiculous. Yes. Like these, And I know that these people are all taking a handful of these peppers and going, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. And then walking over to their garbage and throwing them out. Probably even with voodoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that stupid voodoo thing where we you're don't like, I don't want dead man's in peppers. In my house, yeah. It sounds like an ingredient in a curse. It's so... The peppers <laughs> grown by a recently deceased man with sun <laughs> disease. It'll make a really weird chili for you. Yeah, a really fair. strange chili. But but so that it was like a lot of that and then and and also me thinking that I was really dealing with it like thinking, "Oh, I totally know everything that's going on." And then at 15, I had a whole new it was like exactly when I was 15. It was like I was starting to go through puberty and all of a sudden there's all these pivotal points in your life where Jeremy you <laughs> Jeremy pivotal <laughs> where you need a guy. Yes. And that's when you you realize things that you didn't even know you would miss about not having a dad. They start coming up, and then oh, you, it's like the you, loneliest zombie. 
you had a, a dad. I, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. But you, with the yeah. zombie analogy earlier, yeah. you're covering the grief yes. with other things. With what you think is dealing with it. Yes. Be, but it's a 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old's way of dealing with it yes. where you go, okay, I'm going to deal with the simple things like <clears throat> realizing I'm not responsible for what happened. That like I knew by the time I was 10 that just because when I was 7 I said, I hate you, I hope you die, that that didn't make him die. I figured that out by the time I was 10. And that was part of the grief. But then it's like you hit 15 and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not that he's, I'm not going to have anybody to walk me down the aisle. It's that if I achieve anything in my life that he would have liked, like that's about the time that I started really realizing I wanted to go into comedy. He's not going to be around to see all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. So the more that I succeed, the more he's going to miss like the more there'll be a stuff in my life that he won't be able to see my therapist right I'm having I'm having an argument with my therapist right now because she wants me to write a letter to my father she thinks it would be a good practice for me and I keep saying to her and mail it in the Donnie Darko mailbox <laughs> and the saddest where mailbox. do we put it in that Keanu Reeves in a black Sandra envelope. Bullock <laughs> But she wants me to write it because she wants me to get that stuff out. And I keep saying, you don't understand, though, that's creating another thing in the world that he will never see. It doesn't exist right now because I haven't written it. But the moment that I write it, it'll be a thing that exists in the world that he won't be able to But I want to take your existential crisis one next step and say no one sees anything. (laughs) You know what what I'm saying? You're amassing all these things that he'll never see. Uh-huh. But if he saw them, who cares? He's also going to die at having seen them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you'll also die. Yes. And everyone who ever knew you yeah, will die. Exactly. And just because your mother's so seeing it's... them doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So a letter doesn't mean anything. Your accomplishments mean nothing. And it's all supposed to be, I know that it's supposed to be about the practice of me writing it. It's for my it's own for you. thing. It's for you to see it. But that's my excuse for not doing it. It's totally an excuse, but I just think, that's oh, fine. that's another one that's out in the world that... I get it's it. It's another pepper he won't be able to harvest. But that's good. I mean, like, it's it's nice that your grief has a form, uh-huh. and even if it is a rebellion or whatever, because you know what it is. You can get your hands around mm-hmm. it, and that's nice. And one of the weird, you know, I, I like I said, I don't consider myself, this will loop us back around to God, don't consider myself a spiritual person. In fact, like, I've made the, what I consider the move to atheism, although I know I've gotten into arguments where people are like, you're not truly atheist, because you, you accept the idea that there might be something well, that, out there which is more somebody, I wish I had paid more attention to this where it was like it's the idea of an ag- agnostic atheist or yeah. something most atheists are aware that there's a point zero zero whatever chance yeah I'm not because I would have to think that I was a god an all knowing god in order to say definitively there's nothing out there yeah but, but most atheists are just saying the evidence suggests no yeah god. and what stops me from feeling like that is that I have never been a person that believes in ghosts I've never believed in that like when he died when my dad died I was like I was never like he's watching over me I remember that, that we went question, through we went through grief counseling I went and- to grief counseling I hated that movie <laughs> <laughs> same thing, same basic principle. Yes. But they but they made us write a little note to, like I wrote a little thing out to my dad, and then we tied it to a balloon, and then we're supposed to let the balloon go outside. And, and I dolphin. remember I remember releasing it, going, this is going nowhere. Like, oh I knew God. when I was doing it, like, this is fucking retarded, what yeah, I'm doing right now. There's nothing to this. It's going to float for a while and then end up in a landfill and choke a dolphin or whatever. Yeah. Nobody is ever, this is not going up to heaven, and he's going to pick it up and be like, Oh, thanks. Little tear rolling down his face. That sort of thing. Then he ties a note to a rock. That's how you communicate. (laughs) But rocks go down, balloons go up. So I, even at eight years old, that's how I felt about dad looking down at me and all that stuff. 
but when I was in college and I got um, the internship at The Onion, when I applied for it, um, which started everything, everything that I have now came from this first internship. And when I, um, I was at a coffee shop that I was working at at the time, and I got the email that said that I had been selected to do this. And in the moment that I got it, I felt, I felt like, you know, when you know somebody is in a room with you and he's they're right standing, behind me, he's right behind he? me, isn't he? But with my dad, I felt he's right behind me, isn't he? But with my dad, and it was, it was like, um, it was like, you know how, how uh, they can, like, I'm trying to think of what, what's a good, like, you know how you can put an electrode, in, your your brain is just chemicals and stimuli, so they could put an electrode in your brain and stimulate a certain part, and you would feel pain even though no pain is physically happening to you. Yeah. It was that real. Like, if, if reality is only the way that our brains are processing the world around us and Thank telling you, us things, <laughs> yes. it was that real. It was as real as anything else has felt in my life, except for when I turned around, there was nobody there. Yeah. But other than that, he really was in, in the way that I know people to be around me. Yes. He, he was there and it, it was only a second and it was just right when I got that, that thing. And I had never, I never felt that before and I never felt it again after. And I don't, and I'm like I said, I'm not a person who believes in ghosts, not a person that even necessarily wants somebody to be watching over me all the time. Cause that would freak me out if he was looking at everything I did. So I know that I didn't need it. I know that my brain didn't force me to he feel that. He probably checks the local so listings. So what, what is that? Megan gets a good email. He's like, he Megan shows Experiments. Up. Right, yeah. I'm not going to watch not gonna. 7 to 9. I'll Megan go. smokes a whole bowl of weed and then spoons uh, peanut butter into chocolate chips and like eats it in Ooh. big spoonfuls. I do that sometimes. It's a great but idea. I'm feeling, but but that, so that's like the thing I that gives that. me that .001 atheism thing where it's like i didn't even i'm not a person that even desires to feel that sort of thing yeah it weirds me out to think that something like that is possible so then i do feel it which makes me feel like when skeptics feel things it's like that that's what makes me but so so there's that i mean some good stuff do you ever just like bad jokes mm -hmm. i i wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if I don't know why I'm telling you like this, but like if you did Let's whisper it, <laughs> if you did, if I if you told me that you occasionally felt like you were talking to your dad or, or or feeling your dad or communicating to your dad, I would look at that as maybe like bad words pitches, and maybe that would lead to some sort mm -hmm. of thing for you, some breakthrough. I mean, there's a lot of people, and we call them nuts and we call them weirdos. <laughs> Um, but there's a lot of people that would just be like, absolutely, you're, you're, I, I don't yeah. want to be disrespectful here, but there's, they would say your dad is somewhere and he is watching you and, and I'm right here with you. We're in the fucking generic comfort aisle <laughs> and it's bullshit and it's right next to the Dinty Moore and the Campbell's chicken noodle. I understand, but there's a lot of people that uh, would, would say that that's okay and I'm okay with considering that. Yeah. Although I don't, I'm not, I'm not a person that ever... I, I like the I like the idea that it's an ethereal thing because I haven't I, when I was younger I visited his grave a couple times but I haven't in probably since I was like sixteen maybe I've never gone back there mm. and it's like in my hometown and I go home like I'm going home for two weeks in like a few days from now and I won't go there right. I'll be like five miles away and I yeah, won't go I get it it's just it because to me the the benefit that you get of doing something like that whereas it's this is a space where I can go and talk to this person. 
But if you put them there as opposed to everywhere, then that means that when I'm here in Los Angeles, that my dead dad is rotting in a place. Like that if I've left him there, mm -hmm. if that's where he is and I go visit him and I think that that place has significance, I can't take that with me out here. Yeah. Because it's there. Right. It lives in that graveyard. And graveyards are depressing to me in the same way that open caskets because you're looking at somebody and they're about to close this box and then bury that person beneath the earth. Right. Why would you want to form any attachment to that thing? I Why agree. not just really like I actually would find more comfort in what you're saying as far as like the paranoia, maybe they're still out there. I find more comfort in that. You mean paranormal? Parano well no no you you said the par paranoia paranoia but like thinking that if you don't see them dead that maybe oh, they're I still see. out there oh, somewhere because I, yeah, huh? I haven't vi viewed their dead body i would rather think that they're i would rather never be quite sure than know for a fact that yep that's him and he now they're closing that box and now they're burying that box under the earth and i know i've seen you you're, know it's you're not saying a magic you'd rather track. think that maybe he is drinking in london yes oh well <laughs> It's less weird than knowing for a fact that he's slowly decomposing, at a, and even at a slower rate because he was embalmed. So it's going slower in some places. Do you know oh, what I mean? Jesus. Like they do. You, yeah. I'm sorry. I got, no. Got oh, real. I, no. I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just. I think I had the appropriate reaction, which was oh Jesus and breaking yeah. eye contact. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, but your dad is also nowhere. I mean, he's not in there. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, like, this, you know, I am interested in the idea of uh, our consciousnesses existing after mm -hmm. the idea of a soul or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're point zero zero. Is that what we're saying? Well, I know I know enough to know. I know enough about science to know that energy and matter is not neither created or destroyed. So things are just transitioning from one form to another. So. I don't believe that when I die, something dies. Mm. I just know it's a transition into something else. I don't know what that transition is. And obviously, I can't understand it unless I go through it. Mm. And nobody has ever gone through it and then come back and been like, here's what it's like, you know? Well, but Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then I grab did. you really, really hard. <laughs> and look into my eyes. <laughs> and laser shoot out. And you understand uh, the gospel. But the, the, it really is. The, <laughs> the thing that pushed me away from Catholicism is the certainty. It's not the ideas. It's not the maybe we maybe we should be nice to each other forever because there might be a heaven that we can. It's the certainty of things. Mm -hmm. And that gets us into trouble. Like one of the first mile markers of my losing Catholicism was when I went to, I'd always been told confession. It's like you're getting to talk to somebody who has a direct line to God. Mm. And I spoke to the a priest when I was in third grade because we had to go to mandatory confessions. And I told him that I had missed church on that's Sunday. that's the spirit of God. Because that's the spirit of God. <laughs> See, that's, what, that's the thing yeah. that gets me, that's what the Catholic Church did did me wrong yeah. by doing these things that I were like, like you have to do. Catholicism is the Microsoft of spirituality. It, it's a little bit yeah it's box it boxes you in a little because i because they that's what they told me that you're supposed to you need to communicate your sins you can't just say to god i'm sorry for these things i've done you need to go through the sacrament of saying to a priest i'm sorry for all these sins so that he can give you penance and you do that penance and then he supposedly has a communication with god that he can grant you um, he can absolve your sins and that's a real objective thing but i told this one priest i miss church on sunday he said oh you're going to hell he did not. He did. And I left. And he was Father Kansani. Bastard. He didn't say that. That's exactly what he said to me because I left the confession sobbing. Then found out years later that this priest 
just was a chain smoker. And so at a, perf- a certain point in all these confessions, because you would have to get through like 60 kids, he would just get irritated and want the want them to be done. So he would get real short with the kids. Why and- wouldn't he just say, that's fine. See you next. God loves I don't you. know, because he's an evil, evil person who somehow Smoking got into the priesthood. Smoking during the confessions? Somehow, no, he, uh, in the parking lot afterwards. Oh. But he had to get through all the confessions first to, to go smoke. into the parking lot. Uh, but when you realize something Jesus. like that, and then you go, okay, but here's the problem of saying that I need to talk to a guy in order to get absolution instead of just saying that I can just talk to God about it and he can give me absolution and that there doesn't need to be um, this strict set of rules is that sometimes you get assholes who are doing those sacraments and then you and then you have people put there I mean that's not the worst thing a priest has ever done to like a little kid granted what do you mean <laughs> please explain <laughs> but but it is true that it just one bad egg and then that 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 made me think oh my god if one bad guy can get in here and do this one bad thing to me then what what does it mean that i'm buying into this set of rules as a whole mm. like I, i'm not allowed to question it there's not a lot of leeway room that they give you about figuring out things like this and so i just started feeling more comfortable with pulling back and going okay great concepts really love it I'm not going to go to church every Sunday and do the whole thing because it bothers me that I could fall into a set of guidelines where if one person takes me astray, I have to lose my whole faith. Like, I don't want to set, I don't want to build it on that How foundation. How old were you when that happened? I was in third grade. Do you know what Jesus said about um, teachers who mislead children? No. That they should have a stone tied around their neck and be thrown into the ocean. Really? That's what Jesus said. Yeah. So... Cancer's on the way to old so, Smokey. I'll tell you. Go. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't exactly. wish cancer on anybody. No, but you know, you would have people like I had really good influences in in the Catholic Church that were really great to me, and then I had bad ones. But the rigidity of it is that's where you fall into. It's like I've seen the documentary. I saw this do- really sad documentary called "Deliver Us from Evil." It was about a group of children that had been molested by this one priest who'd been moved around from church to church and sort of hidden him. And they were going to the Vatican to ask the Pope to apologize to basically acknowledge their story and apologize for the Catholic Church's part in it. And they couldn't get a they couldn't get a papal audience or whatever. This he wouldn't see them, and but it's so sad to me to think that even though this this particular faith turned its back on them in a, in a certain way, that they still have to operate within its guidelines yeah. in order to feel resolution. Yeah, it's like they're tied to the same. It's like having a rock tied to you. It's like you're you can't get away from. You need to you need to go through those steps. In order to, but shouldn't the fact that some guy did that to you mean that, make, that doesn't matter? Make the matter? whole system yeah. not work. Make the whole system not make any sense right. to you. It's like wanting a of, puppet to apologize to you. Yeah. Instead of being like, that's a puppet. That's a puppet. Yeah. Oh, but the, don't you see the guy that's holding the strings behind right, him? Right, right. No, 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 no. I'm not. I want Barney the dinosaur to apologize. I have to, me. to. And it was so sad, and these people were so. Which I understand, but it's also sad. But they were so traumatized, and I thought. You know, it's like that. That's a whole nother level to the trauma that they've experienced, right? Which is that they're still operating within that system and wanting. It's like an abusive relationship that you just keep going back to, and you go, "But you still love me, right? right. I need the love from this particular place because right. it won't matter if I get it from somewhere else. I need it from this thing, even though it's the thing that keeps hurting me, right. and that I feel guilty because they won't. Yeah. It's, Although my therapist told me that like it's very, very powerful and healing for people to uh, uh, 
directly address their attacker mm-hmm. and be like and shame them a little bit. Yeah. So oh, hopefully sure, the yeah. process of just doing that, just going to it, was helpful. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> I know. We talked. We talked in circles. Oh, Katie left. By I the know. Way. <laughs> we, we drove. We drove her out of the room. Right, I was so happy when I when I when you asked me to do this. I was really happy to do, do this with you because I've li- I've listened to a number of your podcasts and I like that with some people. Um, you'll talk almost exclusively about the industry and things like that. And then I noticed when you did your thing with Emily, it felt like, and I mean this in the best way, like girls brunch, where it was well, like any, any topic. It's Gavin like Gals. Yeah, Gavin. The, any topic that sort of comes in is like, oh, this is what we're talking about yeah. right now. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it really does bleed in everything. Well, yeah, I learned uh, how to talk from my mother, and that's what we do. We gab. I still love gabbing with my love mother. It. It's the best, and that's why I love girls. And uh, not to say all gay people are this way, but a lot of the gay guests will mm-hmm. gab. Gab. I'm not talking about communicator talk. I'm talking about a very specific thing called yeah. gabbing. No agenda. No, yes, exactly. It's just it's just a free flowing. It, it's a little. It's a little. The energy of it is a little feminine or softer. Uh-huh. I should say it's. It doesn't really have a point. Yeah. This is there. Point. <laughs> oh then, yeah. Uh, now I'm doing the finger and Dick's whole thing. Got points. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up. Um, first of all, nope. I don't have. I don't. I loved everything you said about religion. I don't know. I'm I'm going through a weird thing right now where I'm not really weird. Where uh, I'm kind of like softening to the whole thing, believing that uh, this whole idea of God might be big enough for all of your questions and mm-hmm. all of these conflicts, and and I'm kind of believing that there might be reckoning and and re- resolution and healing for everybody through time through God. That's what I hope. Yeah. Or good. good. Nothing, and we're all just tying shit to balloons. <laughs> One or but the other. In a way, it uh, it doesn't both. matter. So, I mean, here's the thing: religion was really, really, really necessary when we all lived in tribes and disparate cultures, and we needed a reason why. When I came across your tribe, I didn't just murder all of you guys and take all your ox, yeah, oxen, because there needed to be a reason, and that reason was because there's this guy watching all of us and stopping us from acting this way. We live in cities now. The reason that I don't steal all your shit isn't probably going to run into you again, right? And and you will tell somebody else, oh, Megan came in and stole all my shit, right? And that is a governing principle that's enough to stop you from being a bad person. The the spiritual side of that, I believe that love, me not stealing from you, Mm -hmm. is the at the core of the DNA of existence. And Mm -hmm. and if and if we can create heaven on earth through love, I believe that we will connect more purely and more truly with whatever this thing is called God. And if there is a God, I believe that's its agenda is for us to wake up and realize that we don't have to be uh, nicotine-deprived priests lying to children, that I can give starving people food and water, and I can love my neighbor, and I can green mm-hmm. light you, and I can... And it can make you feel good. You can do it for somewhat selfish purposes, yes. and, it'll, and it'll be good for you, and you'll live a better... You'll be happier and yes. more fulfilled and, by doing good. And forget a reward in heaven or another, uh, another jewel in your crown or anything. I'm talking about let's bring God here today mm-hmm. now <laughs> and who cares if i'm wrong when we die it's just over and well, our not right now because my eyes kind of fucked up i'm not in a good what place if i to heal see your eye right now 
hate well, the adrenaline shot I got in my ass is supposed to do that in yeah. the next few hours, but it's not really going down. Must be one hell of a boyfriend. If you <laughs> adrenaline shot. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Here's the game we'll end on. It's just a simple question, and don't feel pressure. I hate feeling like people are that's the opposite of gabbing okay so i'm still here with you i feel very comfortable with you i know i feel that way i too. feel like you should call this you make it comfortable <laughs> <laughs> that's our line of cozy's teas well, because, and sweaty peas well i mean honestly i mean this is how why i all of my friends most of my friends are comedians because i feel better when people i feel better about meeting a person when the first thing they said say to me is something odd yes. or like off-putting a yes. little bit weird. because it weird yeah because it makes you feel comfortable like oh they're not gonna look at me funny if i tell them this weird story sure. yeah so exactly. it's accepting so so fire away in that it, well it's now i wish it were weirder <laughs> it's just uh, do you remember one of or the hardest times you laughed the hardest time or one of the it could be as simple as me telling you that millhouse simpsons thing mm-hmm. people have done things from television mm-hmm. people have done things that they insist no one will get and they become delightful <laughs> relics of the show that everyone loves quoting uh, really basic stuff, really simple stuff. Oops. See, but I the first thing that leaps to my head is a picture, which I can't describe. But li- the is last it the time, the fat kid at McDonald's. No, but the la- it was he something looks on like the internet. The Michelin Man. <laughs> it was something on the internet, and I had such a visceral reaction to it that I couldn't. I, I couldn't I had it up as my desktop image for a while and I couldn't open my computer without crying from Please laughter just looking at this image. It. And the image is Can I, I Google it? Can I, I Google see image? If I can Google it while we're doing it. It's Here, a, you describe it and tell it's me. It's a it's a uh, a beaver, okay, at a zoo and it's in this enclosure that's like a glass um enclosure uh let's see if I just Google be- beaver funny. Um but it, it's in this glass enclosure, and it's pushing its face up against the wall, um, and and sort of in this way that's like it just feels like all of its worldly angst is just like, Ugh. like that's the noise I imagine it making. It's just like it just wants to be out of this cage so bad. Oh God, I have to find this now. I'm I'm doing. We're so close to being done, Katie. I promise. Um, Google. I'm going to find this. I did beaver, beaver glass. funny pick glass because it's pre- pressing its face up against this glass. I I saved it a while ago in my phone because I was thinking about this the other day. I want to see it Is so it a- bad. <laughs> I'm getting Mel Gibson movie. Um, <laughs> a lot of novelty no, it, things. That's just a woman's vagina. <laughs> But it is, it, there's something about it and the noise that I imagine it making and all of its frustration. And it just makes me think about like times in my life Trust when me. I'm, I'm like, I feel like you're just beating your head up against a wall <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I can't get, why won't it? And for some reason, I, ha- I must find this. I will not leave you, until I show this you, to you. you, you Katie, do you want to look at it's a beaver pressing its face, face up, up against, against glass, glass at a zoo. At a zoo. It's a, a picture. A yeah. photo. And it's so funny. And let's see if I have it in my photos. But I <laughs> wait, but did she find sobbing it? with No. Sobbing with <laughs> laughter coldly. when I see it. Coldly. No. <laughs> no. Megan, I <will>. coldly. <laughs> <laughs> I must find this. But 
there's something I'm trying to think of if I have anything that's like a a joke or something that I can that I can say. Um, wow. I really liked that that sarcasm meter thing that I said about um, <laughs> about the Simpsons. Probably have like a few of them that would fit into that mold. I'm pretty sure yes. that I have. No, <laughs> it's, you're, you're getting better you, stuff than me. <laughs> you will. I'm it's gonna... like it's like crawling up, and it its face. It's like it's like that. I'm describing <laughs> it. It's like this, like uh, like against the wall. All right, okay. <laughs> you can edit all of this out, right? Of we us could. Looking. It's I'm kind of fun. To, I'm going... No, it's. I'm getting all the ones Katie got now, because I typed in beaver pressing face glass. That's just a baby. <laughs> Some of these are just pictures of babies. I'm going to find this. God damn it. I promise you when this goes up, 500 people are going to post the photo on the I know. Facebook and it, page. It's so, it, which but, is great. It really like... So just Oh, also there's a picture of a little girl, another one that did the same thing to me. A little girl who... Oh, this is a pretty funny one too. Um, this is a dog with like a weird thing that's kind of like a birthday cake. <laughs> it looks kind of high. <laughs> it's face. Wow, do we get this? You have to give this to Katie. I'll give that one. You have to email it to her. She looks one. human. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stone dog birthday cake. Um, but that that's always really funny to me. There's uh, there's also one that's kind of like that with a little girl <laughs> that's clearly plunged her hands into this from birthday cake and is making this face that's like ah, you know, like super excited about the cake that she's about to eat. Wait, you can Google stone dog birthday cake. It's and the first that. thing that comes up. <laughs> It's such a funny picture. It is so funny. Oh, my God. Mine is an onion headline. Fucking beaver. Oh, really? It's flying squirrel loves it every time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There are some onion headlines that I really liked. um, uh, One of my favorites was always, War on string may be unwinnable, says Cat General. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, when I was leaving the onion... As a present to the guys, when I got my um, job in L.A. and I was leaving, as a present to all of the guys, I did um, issues for each of them that were filled with headlines that were just jokes specifically for them to make them laugh. They were geared towards them. And the guy that wrote, this guy Joe Garden, who's hilarious, that wrote um, The Cat General, I wrote a headline for him that was, uh, oh, here's the... I put a caption on this. It doesn't usually have one, but this is the kid with the birthday cake. Oh, diabetes. <laughs> he doesn't usually say that. That's really funny. But, um, but uh, oh, here it is. Oh, I, I found it. The beaver thing. Okay, all you right. You got to email ready? all of these ready? to Katie. Are you ready yeah, for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, I got to zoom in a little so you, you get the full. <laughs> Just, now look at that and then imagine in your head he's just going Ugh. with all the frustration of a world of not a, no accomplishment he's trapped. he's trapped yeah he's totally trapped and bummed out about it will you email that to Katie so she I can will. put it and on I, the Facebook for page for literally now. two months after I saw this every time I would see it I would burst into laughter <laughs> just thinking because it was all these things I was putting uh, on it about <laughs> how miserable that's fantastic that's very fantastic. <laughs> but um, oh, but it, so I wrote uh, an article for or a headline for Joe Garden that was um, uh, 
what was it? Oh, Cat Congress mired in naps. <laughs> or no, no, Cat Congress mired in sunbeam. And it was about a Cat Congress oh. where a sunbeam had shown into the Capitol building and they couldn't get anything done because there's a... <laughs> but it was like exactly up his alley. That's great. And so that was like... But there were, there were a couple in the Who onion. Who wrote the was... Christopher Walken one about how much he loves goddamn hot dogs? That, <laughs> that made me laugh. I don't know. The line... There's a line in it where he goes, you don't even have to cook them. <laughs> and I laughed I, I There was... Uh, there was one of uh, a headline that was an, an op-ed by the president of Gillette that was um, uh, <laughs> we like what was this like we need a fifth blade or like fuck everything no fuck everything we're doing five blades yeah that was I remember the, that, that. Was and the now there are five and now blades. there are five blades right? but at the time it was just they had I gone love to three the swear ones and they're so funny because there's a line in there that's where he says we thought we were okay with with two we thought we had you know passed the mark with two and then somebody came out with three and here we are sitting with our cocks in our hands <laughs> that's what I love that reminds it's... me very much of one that I love which is the bible salesman and the oh, headline yeah. why can't I sell any, any of these, of these fucking guys? bibles yeah these fucking bibles and he goes uh, he goes <laughs> You want your Bible leather bound with maps in the back? Take a look at this cocksucker. Referring to the Bible <laughs> yeah. as a cocksucker yeah. made me there laugh is, so there's hard. There's also a point counterpoint that was a woman. The point was from a woman, and it says sexual harassment in the workplace has to stop. And the counterpoint was from a guy. I love the way your tits bounce when you type. And the whole article of the guy is just him going, ooh, look at those babies go. Awooga. You know, making like noises. So funny to me. That was great. Ask a Navy SEAL was my fa- one of my favorites. That was they're really yeah, good. Yeah, was one a great too. ask. I got to write some of those askas, which were really fun. I wrote one that was like ask a ask a fourteen year old girl whose boy whose boyfriend went to Six Flags with someone else, and she was like <laughs> clearly really upset about. Ask it. Kirk Vonnegut was a really great one. Oh yeah, I I every know. every answer was just like I'm drinking scotch alone at a carnival. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, they're really great. Oh, uh, but God. so yeah, those those pictures. If, if people look we'll at them, them. Th- that's what makes me. Those make me laugh. They're little self-contained worlds, like, all in an yeah, instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll post them all. <clears throat> yeah, I'll send them to you. Well, you're, we could go forever. I think the store is, the store is closed. It's closed. We don't They're normally do the them this out. late. The bar, the, you couldn't come into Meltdown Comics if you tried. Our cars have been towed. <laughs> Katie deserves a bonus of I'm some so sort sorry. of ice cream cake. I'm allergic to You're allergic uh, to ice cream? Oh. I'm always trying to get her ice cream, but she can't. And we yeah. go another 20 minutes talking about that. <laughs> so thank you. You do have to say that, Keith. I could clearly go for nine more hours. I would love this. I'm like I high like we energy. Don't <laughs> we don't talk enough. We never hang out. Yeah, I know. We, we I never don't think gab. you and I have ever just hung out with just the two of us. Isn't that weird? I've known you for like six years. You visited me on Batman. Not me, but you were there. Well, I That's was there the last time Warren, I saw yeah. you visiting. Well, thank yeah. you for making that <laughs> clear. You know, I'm Batman. Right? I did. I also know that. Can we say? Can we talk about your good news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New good news. I referenced it. Congratulations earlier. about that. Thank you very I, much. I haven't seen you in person to be able to congratulate you yet. Thank you. That. You know, you'll, I have a you'll, show now you'll, about me. you'll appreciate this bit, and this will be the last thing we say. Then you say, "Keep it crispy." Okay. People have been. I've been trying it, and it doesn't work. People go, "Pete, congratulations!" And I go, "Hmm." <laughs> no one likes it. No one likes it. Just say thank you, you jerk. Just say thank you. And now, Just accept a compliment. And you say keep it crispy and we'll be done. Keep it crispy. Thank you, Mega Gale. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.